There's another one you don't want to hear. Frankly, the do I. Welcome to the Power Chord Hour. Welcome, whether you are listening right now on the radio show on good old 107.9 WRFA, or you are tuned into the podcast, whatever it is, thank you so much for listening to tonight's episode. And I am joined, I mean, I, I think like appearance five or six now, but we got Joey Cobra with us once again, a local musician, local artist, all around great dude, love talking punk rock with him, and that is exactly what we're doing on this episode. And uh, tonight we're talking about, or whenever you're listening to this, we're talking about a record that is turning 25 later this year. It is, uh, I can't believe it's 25 years old, but it is. No effects, so long, and thanks for all the shoes and my not-so-humble opinion, their best record. And uh, we're going to go track by track. If you were listening on the radio show, uh, now that we're four hours long and we got time for it, we're going to play each song off this record after we talk about it. So that's kind of cool. If you're listening to the podcast, that ain't happening because Fat Mike's going to sue me. Actually, that'd be a cool way to meet Fat Mike. I'll just play the whole record. Well, probably not. It'd just be a copyright yeah. uh, claim. So probably <laughs> I won't get to meet Fat Mike. So maybe I won't do that. But uh, yeah, if you're listening to the radio show, we're going to play as we go track by track. We will uh, play each song, which my God, if you've never heard this album, what is wrong with you? But uh, hopefully this is a familiar favorite, and if not, I mean, we're going to expose you to a great, great punk rock record. I mean, essential 90s uh, skate punk. So yeah, I mean, that is, I guess that is to kind of like let you know what's going on now. We will uh, get into it. Joey Man, how are you? Great, great. Uh, that would be funny, though, if you thought that you could meet Fat Mike <laughs> by, getting sued by. <laughs> by getting sued by him, and then you show up in court, like all, like in a no effect shirt, like ready <laughs> Wait, I you have got like a troublet with me. You have a sharpie trouble. marker, like ready, and then it's just lawyers. And you're like, what? I still have to have them. So yeah. It's like, I mean, I brought it. Yeah. You know, will you please sign this? Can you sign this on behalf of Fat Mike? I've always waited. <laughs> I, I use Paul Westerberg's uh, voice at the beginning of every episode. That here's another one you don't want to hear for the same reason, in hopes that one day Paul Westerberg sues me for audio that I clipped yeah. off a bootleg yeah. that I got. Mm-hmm. You know, dreams, dreams. You know, we gotta have them. Yeah, you gotta have a reason to wake up every day. <laughs> What's a cease and desist? I don't exactly, know. dude. A good old C and D. Yeah, a little C and D for PCH. I'm you know who? It. You know who wouldn't sue you? Uh, uh, probably masked intruder. You should do do that That's with their songs. That is yeah. a great point. Yeah, they have no. I think I own at least one masked intruder shirt that is a parody of another logo. So uh-huh. yeah, you're right. They they can't. They'd be good sports about it. I, I think <laughs> I think they're pro stealing. So yeah, yeah I, I think they they'd are. be okay with that. So I got to ask you before we get into this record. Um, and I was even thinking about this earlier. Like. Uh, we did top five fat records. God, it was last summer now. Yeah. But um, this record, I always forget, is on Epitaph. But I got to say, if this was not on Epitaph, this would probably rank as like my number one. I might have to move Banner Pilot out, and this may be my number one fat release if it was released yeah. on fat. Mm-hmm. Where does this album, for no effects, and I've, maybe I've asked you before, but where does this fall? I know you like this album, but this is my favorite album, bar none from them. Where does it fall for you? Um, it's, it's in the top there. So this was... Uh this this album and um, Punkin Drublick were like the first two No Effects albums that I heard, nice. and um, I mean I was I was still so young at the time that I 
I, it's possible that I didn't even realize it was the same band. Like I just heard like a couple of songs from like one album and from the other album and stuff. And, uh, um, this was the album that I started like really paying attention to no effects. I was like, I was 11 when this album came out. So like, you know, I was the only information there wasn't an internet that you could just look up the band. It was like, okay, well, your, you know, your older brother's buddy let him borrow the CD with the, with the liner notes and the lyrics and everything. And no effects would do this thing where they, they wouldn't even put the right, like, names or pictures <laughs> yeah. like in their liner notes for them so At a like time I, when that mattered like yeah now it seems kind of like you may yeah. not it may not seem that way but like back in the day very counterproductive yeah yeah to try to get your name out there or anything yeah. like that they were a complete enigma to me i had like no <laughs> idea but i was like these songs are so cool these are like i, I mean especially at the time like now we live in a time where there's literally a thousand bands just trying to emulate the sound of this album you know what i mean so um back then it was like wow this is this is like incredible this is this kind of like touches on everything like it's it's fun it's serious it's like it's heavy it's light it it just kind of like does all these things and, and just completely blew me away when i first heard it now as far as like my my top no effects albums i think probably pump up the volumes my favorite it's a good one um but you know i'd have to like really sit down and and kind of think about like the qualities of each one and kind of like the way that they evolved over the years you know um but there's there's you know parts of of each album that that are like so like perfect you know what i mean and then there's certain things that you're just like okay you maybe skip this song or whatever but like that's how no effects is it's like they're they're uh always going to like kind of push things and and find different different ways to approach what it is that they do so i mean and you can see just by where they're at right now you know in (laughs) 2022 you know how far they've come yeah you know what i mean like taking that approach so um yeah this is just it's definitely one of my one of my most cherished albums for sure just of albums not just no effects albums but like just albums for sure it's i mean like it's funny as it sounds but i mean even even the neapolitan cover like makes total sense because i do think it's like and I, I've said before, like I, I did not, I did not like single album, but I do like. I know they tried to do different things on it. I think on this record they did that too, where they changed things up. But I think they did it right. Like yeah. I feel like that mixture of things was just perfect because even the songs that are like, like I was listening to it, no song just stays one way. Like even when they get in like ska territory or like you know even like kind of reggae territory and stuff, they'll go back to that. No, in the same yep. song, like they'll yeah. change the sound two or three times. And then you have to go, wow, that takes a lot of time. Like, to even be able to write that way in itself is a feat. Right, right. You know. I almost think, uh, I was thinking about this the other day. Um, I almost feel like if you took the ska songs off of this album or kind of, um, I guess, even if you included a few of them, this album sounds more like a follow-up to Punk and Drublick than Heavy Padding Zoo does. 
I wanted to ask you, this goes into exactly what I wanted to talk about. I do I don't know where you fall on Hevig Penning Zoo, but the more I listen to it, I always forget that's the follow-up because yeah. I feel like that's a step back for them. Like I feel like this album, Punkin' Drublick, I always feel like this is the next one. Right. Because it just felt like more of the same like there's good songs on Heavy Penning Zoo, but I feel like they didn't like progress in that way. Like it's almost some bands do that. Some bands will have that really, really big record. And then the next one, I almost feel like maybe because even though no effects, they didn't want you know to get big or whatever. Still, Punk and Drublick did pretty well for them, and there is yeah. some. I'm sure there's still pressure on them for that. And I feel like just on having Penning Zoo, it just wasn't. It, it's I don't know, like it just doesn't. And I don't know with fans, like I think people like it, so maybe maybe it's yeah. blasphemy that I say that, but I feel like that album. I forget about it a lot, and I go this this album. They're on to something. I feel like that one was a step back. Yeah. After punk and drug. I think Heavy Petting Zoo, um, if you were to listen to, if somebody, if you if you had never heard No Effects before and um, somebody played their their albums in sequence and you got to um, White Trash mm-hmm. and then you, you had them listen to Heavy Petting Zoo after that and said that this was the next album, I think that it almost makes more sense as a follow-up to white trash yes. than to punk and drublick. I, I think punk and drublick they they hit that that perfect if you could if you could, you know, think of like the perfect uh epitaph 90s sound like that yeah. was punk and drublick right there. And then heavy petting zoo, I don't know if they were like um trying to go more of a certain direction that was that they were like um into during white trash i don't know what the what the songwriting process but i feel like there's there's just more more like kind of weird out of left field um choices that were on that album that that made like white trash kind of like that unique early album for no effects i think that's their first really good one like if i'm really if i think of the no effects catalog White Trash is the first one that I, I like most. Like yeah. Before that, there's a couple songs here and there, but really, if I'm listening to No Effects, mm-hmm. basically start at Punk and Drublick on. But I do like, like I mean, Bob is a classic. Right. I mean, that's right. up there as a staple. Yeah. There's there's a couple songs on there that are really good. But, like, yeah, the fact that, that Heavy Petting Zoo is the next thing in punk and, after Punk and Drublick, I'm totally with you. It would make more sense even if they just decided to do that after White Trash. Yeah. But after you have an album like Punk and Drublick, and clearly, like, we just kind of I mean... A sa- defining a certain sound of what was going on at the time with Punk and Drublick and kind of doing it again, changing it again was so long. I mean, right, a lot right. of people kind of copying them again, whereas the one in the middle, yeah, it's kind of this, I don't know, it's weird. I don't and I, like, I don't know if you like old uh, Offspring, but I always felt that way with their, their album after uh, Smash. Like, that album was so big, and yeah. the next one just felt like more of the same. Like, it didn't seem like the album you would make. Yeah. After just making what was like the biggest selling indie record of uh-huh. all time, yep, it just seemed weird and no effects kind of by putting that same category. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think Heavy Petting Zoo is like an underappreciated album, but that doesn't make me listen to it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I will say this, and this goes good with this: uh, Punk and Drublick and So Long and Thanks for All the Shoes. I feel like the the openers and the intros, I mean, are classic. Same, no yeah, effects. they were like I I, I think. I think this almost feels like, especially the beginning of this album, 
feels like a reaction to heavy petting zoo not doing well and them deciding like okay here's what works from punk and drublick so um let's just let's kind of like really give people what they want but also like just write these really awesome like in your face punk rock songs well let's get into track one then it's my job to keep punk rock elite I uh, I gotta say, and I gotta ask you because again, Linoleum is also a classic. But I honestly, at the end of the day, I think this song might blow Linoleum out of the water. I think this is the quintessential opener for them. I still love Linoleum, but that's always the one people talk about. I feel like if yeah. you think of album openers with them, that's the one you go to. This one, I think, hits you in the face even harder just right away. Like it's it just doesn't waste time. Like this album, just no screwing around, right away, just comes in. Yep. Um same same approach like that single guitar yeah um everything kind of comes in and builds um the the thing about this song this song and linoleum is they both of them have no chorus there's no chorus in either of these songs i knew that linoleum i didn't notice that until right now yeah for, it's there's my job. harmonies in this song and there's like wow the instrumental hook and the ending isn't really, uh, it's not really a, a chorus. It's just, That's a good you know, point. it's, so it's like both songs just kind of like keep it super simple, super stripped down and do a lot with the song is like 80 seconds long. <laughs> so it, it does a lot with a little, you know what I mean? Well, actually, that makes me want to bring something up too while we, uh, you know, while, while I want to keep uh, trash talking heavy petting zoo mm-hmm. i had this written for later but one of the things they did on this record i think they cut out uh no actually pun intended they cut the fat off mm-hmm. off the songs all the songs on this record are fully realized like there's intros there's yep. sometimes solos and right now there's not choruses but some songs have verse chorus and stuff yet they all clock in so i mean most of them are like a minute and a half yep. like two minutes yeah. long maybe and they, I mean, some of them are under a minute and still are fully realized songs. And I think on, uh, I had it written down here somewhere. I was going to bring it up. But on Heavy Petting Zoo, it's like 13 songs in 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. On this one, it's 16 songs in, I think, 33 minutes, Yeah. if I did it correctly. Well, they started doing that thing. I don't know if you heard their, their live album, but they did it. I mean, they would do it at all of their live shows and i don't know if they still still do it or not but it's it's they tried to do as fit as many songs as they could in the short yeah Yeah. and so they're like okay we're gonna play 12 songs in 10 (laughs) minutes or we're gonna play 20 songs in 15 minutes or so like some something ridiculous so like it's always been something that they have tried to do like I, i don't know if they they think it's funny or like creatively they're just like no yeah this is this is fine we don't need to like do that extra stuff but with that said they also followed this album up with the decline so oh does this come in between this and pump up the value yeah oh wow yeah so this was 97 decline was 99 that's actually hilarious yeah so but i was actually uh, i noted here that this song itself is a direction that they would take going into pump up the volume like you you could take this song if if you took this song and put it on pump up the volume it would not be out of place that's a good point 
So um, this was like that direction that um, I am personally really glad that they took. Yeah. You know, post 2000, they, they kind of like were like, here's here's the thing that we do the best and here's how we're going to take it. And then they kind of like, after about 2004, started kind of experimenting with with other directions and different mm-hmm. things and stuff. But um, yeah, this this song is definitely um, a glimpse into the future yeah. of, of the next few years of what NoFX is going to do. It is this album really is a bridge from the old, which I mean they've had different eras because there is again there's like there's the there I can't remember his name but their old guitar player there's like that era yeah. and then getting into like white trash and punk and drublick then you have this record and then you know there's kind of that no effects after 2000 like i mean they have a few different eras and then going on even to now but this album is that bridge i think from yep. like early 90s skate punk no effects to what would become yeah no effects in the new millennium yep which and i didn't i didn't realize that about the decline i mean i guess i knew it was from around that time but I was wondering that too. If, if I'd assume they'd released like you know some random seven inches and stuff, because in between there is like a three or not three hour, three year stretch. I think in between records. Yeah, they years. did. They did like um, some different like seven inches and stuff like that. But those got put together for the forty five or forty six songs. Oh, okay, yeah. Compilation that they made. So, like, they were still recording stuff, but not, like, proper albums. A lot of those are very short, (laughs) very short, short. Yeah. Like, even shorter than than this one. Right. Um, But, yeah, I mean, this this record, something I noticed, like, you know, kind of pulling this album apart for doing this, I mean, one of them is Smelly's drumming. Like, the tightness and Mm – like – it's one of those things, it's like listening to life in general, and I go, I, I think of the tempos and how fast those songs are, I go, how, how is Yuri doing that at those tempos? Yeah. And this is another one that's just a blazing fast record where I go, if you really stop to think about it, like how precise his drumming is, the stuff he's doing, not even as much on this one, but even later ones, I go, I don't know if he's, I don't know if he uses a double kick pedal, but even the stuff he's doing he with doesn't, his foot. No. Oh my God. No. It's nuts, some of the stuff he does mm-hmm. on this record with his, yep. you know, with just even just what he's doing with his foot. But on this this song, I mean itself, just right away, his drumming just it just drives this song. I mean, it's, yep. it's one of the highlights of it. Besides, like that yeah. single, like you said, kind of comes in with a guitar and everything else. But I always feel like his drums, in no effects in general, but really on this record, some of the best songs are ones where it does start off with like just guitar, even a sometimes even just a bass intro. Yep. And then it really kicks in when Smelly starts. He'll he'll oh, yeah. give a little like snare roll or something. And then just all hell breaks loose. That's yep. like when the song kicks in. The song is like, um, I, for me, <laughs> if, you, if you could imagine a, a song playing on the stereo and a hand reaching out of the speaker and slapping <laughs> 11-year-old me across the face. Like this song just, uh, it's still to this day is like, it's like a, a punch in the stomach. It's, it's it's a wall of sound in a lot of ways. Yeah, and, and actually this song... My my first band we used to we used to cover this song oh, a lot nice. before we like learned how to write songs and stuff. But this was this was definitely on the like sweet cover songs <laughs> to play during a live show. Um, so I mean it's it's short it's sweet. The harmonies that kick in are like what kind of for me like draw me in. Like it's it's aggressive, but it's you know you've got these three part harmonies just kind of like yeah. coming in and as this like 
um, unexpected, but like uh, just really, really unique kind of, you know, blend. Uh, and that I think like skate punk kind of did really well in the 90s was yeah, like blending did. this this aggression with melody. This is really a handbook. You brought it up earlier, like, you know, the band's kind of copying the sound, but this album is a handbook. If someone didn't know mm-hmm. skate punk, I mean, this is probably, I would, I might say this would be the one to have them hear. Like, if you want to know what skate punk lit, sounded like in the mid to late 90s, like, this album might be the best representation of it. Yeah. I mean, I, it's, it goes into certain directions that yeah, are, it's not that skate are kind punk of, the whole time. yeah. But, um, this song and and a select handful of songs from this album absolutely yeah i would would even say maybe the first like maybe even side a because i think side b if you think of i guess it depends where that'd be but i think the second half they do get more sky the first few songs on this record are kind of more i feel like straightforward and then yeah they get they get a little more playing on the upbeat and things like that yeah but um the other thing too i mean and we've talked about other times you've been on here but like chord progression wise very odd song kind of like it's it's not really a norm it's not like your typical chord progression it's very no effectsy yeah it's yeah. maybe not the one you would think about they do i don't know that it sounds uh i don't know like everything works for them but at the same time you go i almost think it almost only works for them if someone else yeah. tried pulling it off some of those progressions or even harmonies and stuff it might sound awful yeah and that's what no effects does well is is they um kind of create these chord progressions that aren't just three chords or four chords it's like here's 10 different chords that don't repeat the same note and just kind of stream along and still sound good um but i think they kind of made it a point to like challenge themselves to like be different and write more complex songs while still being simple skate punk songs yeah you know what's funny about that too and i didn't think about it until you just said it but i think the few songs on here not that i don't not that i don't like them but i think they're not as strong when i think about it they sound more like what everyone else is doing they kind of do have more of a just normal chord progression it sounds more like like it could be mistaken almost like another band may have been able to write the song yeah you know there's yeah. certain no effects songs where i go no one could write that song besides no effects yeah there's just no one could have pulled that off you may inf- you might be influenced by them but you could have yeah. never written that exact song yeah that way you know yeah. like fat mike needs that credit where like i mean i guess all of them i don't exactly know the writing process in the band but i'm assuming that was him with a lot of the yeah. I mean, vocal melodies yeah. and shit like that and just what he does with it is so like like from an outside, it's almost like the Ramones. From an outsider perspective, you go like, "Well, this seems like they're not good. Like they obviously aren't talented at their instruments." But then you go, "No, it's very hard what they're doing to pull mm-hmm. that off the exact way." And Fat Mike is one of those guys where you might go, "Oh, that song's silly," or this and that. A lot of times it happens in this record where you might go, "Oh, that song's kind of silly," or this or that. But then you go, "But to pull it off the way he does takes talent." Because yeah. if yeah. you tried to do it, like yeah. not not you, but whoever's like you know criticizing that would probably sound cheesy as hell. Yeah. He pulls it off amazing. Yep. You know they, what I mean? they definitely have it dialed in on this album. Like, yes. Um, it's uh, everything's just like really tight, really cohesive and um, just works really well together. It's e- even if the songs, yeah, are, are goofy or whatever, it's still really clean and really, really tight playing. Yes. Oh, I mean, I mean, there's, I mean, it again, like, well, there's definitely a few uh, songs we'll be touching on later where I go, like, 
yeah, they're random or they're kind of like, you know, they're silly, but they're silly in a way where I go, that's clever. Mm-hmm. Like lyrically and stuff, yep. I go like, even, like with wordplay or just the way you write, it's like, that's clever, man. Like yeah. that, that takes talent. Yep. But um, I mean, on, on this song, a, uh, I guess a few other things to touch on. Like lyrically, I think this is another one where like you look at the times and it's kind of funny because later on he'll go for like, like he, Fat Mike's kind of has a few, uh, like I feel, I feel like he's fighting with a few people on this record. Like there's a couple yeah. times. Yeah. This one in general, I feel like is kind of more towards that like major labels, radio, MTV, all that stuff they're trying to stay away from. Yeah. This one I feel like is more criticism towards that and what was going on at the time. Because I also go this album's '97. That punk explosion happened three years earlier, and they were still major labels trying to sign these punk bands. You know, still, still very much kind of getting into that scene and i mean i you know fat mike and all of them were you know very vocal about not want like we don't want our stuff on mtv we don't want radio play and stuff like that i feel like this song is very much kind of like that like screw that side of it it's almost like an abridged version of uh of dinosaurs will die yeah that's a you know what really good point there it's uh that because that song uh, and that one really is another really good one on the music. Like mm-hmm. when you look at that time too in the two thousands, you know as things were really becoming digital, yep. record record sales were going down. He was enjoying. Yeah. I think these people he's singing about in this song are the ones mm-hmm. a few years later. Yeah, he's singing yeah. about dinosaurs. Exactly. Die. Yeah. But um, really good. You know what? A good cover too. I don't know if you ever heard the Silverstein cover. But they do a pretty good version of this. Song. I have heard that. Yeah. I got. I got to give them credit. Pretty uh, solid. Yeah. But um, as we move on, anything else for this song? I don't think so. They. I mean, going back to, uh, you know, this one kind of reminds me. Uh, track two, Kids of the K Hole. They. I don't know why I read it like that, but um, <laughs> very professional. But um, the thing about this that I think just like the one-two punch. A punk and Drublick, they hit you again on this one with the first two songs because it yep. like it goes right in, like right away with that like bass intro, which I love. That I mean, it's kind of simple, but it works so well with how it's my job to keep punk rock elite ends. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. The, right it, away. The, yeah, and and not only does it pick up, but but musically it fits. Yes, it's almost like uh, I and not so much with the entire record um because there are short little pauses and stuff like that but um the way that this this album kind of starts is like like okay well this is this is all meant to be played as like one cohesive like idea yeah like and and these are streamed together almost like it's one song and and that's i feel like what's going to take them in the direction of writing an 18 minute song next that's a good yeah like if if we can keep doing this and and have these these complex parts and then like go straight into the next part that's just one long song that's not an that's not an ep or an album anymore like we can just make it one song if all the lyrics are are about the same theme that's a song you know what i mean it does it doesn't have to be like six separate songs or five separate songs or whatever like it can be it can kind of like you know go in in this one cohesive direction. So I think that this is kind of this is a, uh, another little like element of okay, what here's what's yeah. to come. But um, I was trying to to describe what this bass part is, and all I could come up with is it's 
the hardest single note bass solo. <laughs> yeah, because it's not he's not doing anything crazy, but it it like no, it but hits he's you. he's like doing this this strumming that's not like straight strumming, and it's not just like speed picking. It's like got this staccato to it, Very staccato. but still, but still just one note, and then then it does this little line, and then goes back to the same note. And then does like a little line when, the, you know, the gu- guitars and the drums come in and stuff. And then, uh, and it, and it keeps that, that pluckiness, um, and that bounciness throughout the song. Yes. If you, if you hear it, like, uh, between, between like verses and, and between lines and stuff, there are these little like bass runs that you can hear that like, He's playing multiple notes, but he's still doing that, like that speed kind of picking, yeah. that that staccato picking. That he's like, you know, one of the best, yeah. you know, n- punk bass players at doing that that specific like picking kind of style. Oh, yeah. He's um, very good with the right hand. Like, yeah, he's, he's not just like he his right hand is very good because you can tell like when he wants to do something different, he's not just like down picking the whole time. Like every song. Yep. He'll change things up, and you can hear it. Because if he did that, if you just applied, tried playing that just up and down, up and down like that, just yep. straight eights or even sixteenths, it wouldn't sound as good. No, no. That single note would just sound yep. so bad. It's like that would not sound yep. very good. So it's like almost this This song's equivalent to um, It's My Job to Keep Punk Rock Elite's like, single guitar intro. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah, this. Yeah. It's just here's this instrument that when you're at the live show, just this instrument playing this part is gonna get you so jazzed up to like jump into the circle pit. You know what I yeah. mean? Like as soon as everything hits, like you're everybody's gonna go crazy. Yeah. So like it's just a super effective intro to a song, even though it's just this. It's just one note. You know what I mean? Like it's still, and it's one of their best songs, arguably. This is honestly, this is like a, I mean, it, it's such a good song, and it's another one that's just kind of short and sweet, but they fit a lot in in a short amount of time, mm-hmm. and it because like it's another one they do it. I would almost say nearly every song, not everyone, but nearly every song on this record, the intro into the verse just hits you in the face. Yep, like that. Those transitions into them are so good like in, yeah. a, in a way that I, I think some of their best like it stands out it's something that pops out to me when I'm listening I go that in between just that intro and verse is so flawless in so many of them yeah and they change like they change a lot like the intro to this song into what it goes into is different yeah you know what I mean like it but it just it all fits so well and there is there's something about this song that what makes it so good is I I don't even know how I, this it sounds cheesy as hell but there's like a vibe to this song there's just the, there's something about it that like there's an uneasiness. I you know what it, you know what's funny. I think part of it is that bass intro because it's like mm-hmm. Green Day's Panic song. It has an intro like that where it's just kind of a. I think Mike's playing maybe one note, but he's doing a weird rhythm. And it reminds me of that because there's this. I think I think the bass is why it gives that feeling because there's just this uneasiness to that. Mm-hmm. I think also musically from your ear, you want it to resolve or go somewhere else. Yeah. And it's not. Yeah. He's not like you said, like he'll do a little run here and there, but in that intro, it just kind of didn't like there. Yep. It just keeps ringing out. And I think it, yep. I think it gives something to that song. Yeah. It just kind of lets it build into, into this like crescendo and, and the song kind of like spills out from that, yes. you know, and it, and it, 
has that it, it has that uh, that tempo and and that momentum that kind of just pushes it through and and then you add all of the instruments and you you add all of like the harmonies and everything and it's just like Great a harmonies train too on this you know? one yeah i mean yeah. i know i know it's a given throughout the album but like just like on it's my job to keep punk rock elite the the harmonies and backing vocals on this are one that stand out they're really they they help make the song like in a way where you go if you took them out it'd be yeah. missing like yep. the song wouldn't be as good yeah and I think with this song too, I think what makes it um, such a classic No Effect song is um, the lyrics are they're they're more like neutral. They're like more uh, they're kind of more abstract and and poetic. It's yeah. it's like poetry as opposed to like here's this person I'm mad at. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like th- it's just like. It's it's so much more poetic than murder the government. You know what I mean? <laughs> you don't think that's pure poetry? Yeah. yeah. Like this is just. I think that's what that's what Heavy Petting Zoo did really well was the, was working on the the craft of lyrics and writing these songs that are like about you know about doing drugs and stuff like that. But you know you you get into these things that like even if you just read the lyrics kind of take you on a journey yeah that that i think people don't really realize uh no effects does really well or did really well it's a learning then. experience too because i know what a k-hole was until i heard right. the song and then so <laughs> yeah. it is a learning experience too you learn imagine you learn being 11 year old 11 years old and trying to like know anything about what these people are talking about there's a few yeah. there's a few uh no effect songs where yeah you're either either you know what it means or you're yeah. gonna be real confused yeah yeah un- until later on and he liked to use he, he he definitely used a lot of like really big words but not only that but took a took a page from greg graffin yeah and and with those harmonies exactly like oh, that's, that's true. exactly that what bad those are territory yeah. um and you'll notice that after they started working with Bad Religion in the late '80s, all of a sudden, like they had like these like choir harmonies and stuff in yeah. their songs. But um, they started getting better. Yeah, really. Yeah. To be honest. Um, but th- not only did he use very large words in a lot of these albums, but he also doesn't pronounce the words like correctly or he puts the the wrong to make it rhyme right he, kind of fit as fat mike says he puts the wrong emphasis on the wrong <laughs> syllable so Good like songwriters do it though because yeah. you know you sacrifice yeah. that because that's mm-hmm. what works in the yeah. song and um i didn't notice that i did it until after hearing him talk about himself doing it and realizing that that became an influence on me that I would put into some of my songs that I didn't even know. Like I didn't really realize that I was doing that, but it's something that like he kind of like perfected in the nineties where he would use these bigger words and just kind of like pronounce things really strangely and (laughs) made it almost impossible to learn the actual lyrics to the song. Cause you're like, I'm not sure what he's singing there, but it's, what I'm singing sounds kind of like that, which is not a word, but it's kind of close. So. It's that melody, though, too, yeah. and it kind of goes with later on with the with the French cover where you go, 
it very much is all melody because I don't know if Fat Mike knows what the hell he's singing when he's no. singing in French. But as a musician, he does no vocal melody. And if you can get right. that down, you right. know what I mean? Like, yep. then you just have to do muscle memory of having, you know, you kind of remember the words. But, like, if you remember that vocal melody, I think you're jumping off that so much. And mm-hmm. I think it's kind of the same with this where, you know, he it, it's not about being clear, you know, sp- you know, sounding clear in your voice or being so you can hear every lyric crystal clear. It's more about it fitting the song, you yeah. know. If yep. you tried to enunciate or pronounce everything the way that it should be, yeah. it wouldn't work. Yep. There's a and I can't remember off the top of my head what it is, but even when you're talking about that, there's a banner pilot song that jumps out to me where he keeps saying the word he butchers it so bad, mm-hmm. but if he and it always is what I think about because if he didn't it it wouldn't work. Right. If he if he said it the way you know that it's supposed to be said, yep. it, it just wouldn't work. Yep. So I'm with that with Ben. I don't care about being grammatically correct or trying it's like that's not how a good song like that's not how it gets written. Just but, make it work, yeah. Yeah, you just gotta make it work. I mean, even like uh back in like Shakespeare times they used to they used to just like make up a word you know what I mean they're like I don't have a word that rhymes here so I'm just gonna like make it I'm gonna take a real word that exists and just like turn it into a a weird version there's no that. way fat mike hasn't made up a word just to yeah. fit in a song no yeah he definitely fat mike makes is definitely up words all the time the shakespeare of yeah. 90s skate punk is what you're saying i'm gonna i'm gonna say what you're saying for what you. you're saying <laughs> what you're saying what joey you're trying to say is yeah, yeah here let me tell you what you're trying to say yeah but he is he's very good at that again like i mean something something you've brought up but what i love about like my favorite records somebody who can write serious songs and also be joke on the same album. The whole the yep. whole thing's not just depressing and sad. The whole thing's not just one big joke. They can do both. Yep. And he does. He can use big words. He can make you think. And then he can also write a song like the next one where it's just you know what he's singing. Like it's just yep. very there's no try there's no metaphor. There's nothing. It's just like, hey, this is this is it. Yep. But to be able to do that and also go back and forth. Because again, that you have to sequence those correctly. Mm-hmm. You have to be able to do that. And so, and that's not as easy as it may sound. So to be able to jump back and forth like they do on this record with some songs that are very heavy and then ones that are not very heavy, yeah, I think they do that a lot better than like even older albums. Because I think a yeah. lot of times on some of the older stuff, like I I don't know, I don't like yeah, they're serious songs, but I think even in more serious songs, they would still have to be kind of joking. Yeah. Whereas on this one, there and not a lot of them, but there's like two or three songs where I go like, that's just. I mean, if you re, if you look at the lyrics and stuff, it's like it's just a sad, like just straight yep. through. And some of the best songs on the record, but I think this is the beginning of them like being able to do that. Yeah, you know, I think pump up the volume really is another one. You know, talking about the bridge between where they could do that on there too. I think they were very good at like there's joke songs, there's you know there's yeah. more serious heavy songs. songs. Yeah, yeah, like you can go back and forth. Yeah, something I did like. I was thinking about it too because I think this is like later no effects. I feel like there's there's a lot of albums where like, you know, Fat Mike's like writing songs about drugs and stuff like a lot. I feel like it starts on this record. There is on older ones, but mm-hmm. I think this is where which I feel like he always says cuz you got to think I think he's about 30 when they wrote this. And I think he's always said that's when he started like yeah. using like yeah. recreationally abusing drugs and stuff. Yep. So I think this is the beginning of it because you see it lyrically. Look at Pump Up the Volume, a whole lot more on that record. Yep. I think they get a lot more like to where you know he's singing about like that. Like I think earlier ones he sings more about drinking, but it, you know it's just kind of a yeah. uh, observation on this one. I think with Kids in the K Hole and then uh, 
I can't think of it. The second to last song is, I mean, that's more about sobriety, but right. talking about why it's not fun to be yeah. sober. Yeah. But um, yeah, like, like that was something I kind of noticed. Cause like, I don't know. I listen to these albums differently when I know we're doing these and I, you know what I mean? Like the yeah, things yeah, I don't yeah. think about normally. Yep. There's a few songs on here where I'm an idiot for not even realizing what they're about until I started like yeah. having to think about it. I go, wait a second. I didn't realize yep. it was like that. Yep. But um, do we have anything else for uh, kids in the K hole? I don't think so. Anything else for that? Good well, song. let's, Let's get into speaking of Shakespeare. Track yeah. three, Murder the Government. Uh-huh. I mean, this song is, I got to say, we were talking about them doing like fast songs, trying to fit a bunch in live. This one I've heard them do live, I think almost every time I've seen them. And yeah. it's, a, it's a fun one live. It's definitely, yeah, definitely one of their live staple it's songs. It's a live staple, 100%. I, I, the only reason that I that I think that it stayed in their in their set list was because he constantly like updated the lyrics to like (laughs) whoever like the current president was and so it gained a lot of like road miles that way because (laughs) i don't actually even really like this song like this is the i used to i mean like you know when you when you first hear albums that like really have an impact on your life it's like you you appreciate all of the songs but then when certain songs get like overplayed oh then God, yeah. then it's like i guess i don't really care that much anymore there's albums i love where i'll skip certain yeah. songs like if i've heard them too much like i'll yeah. be that guy there's even like hits on records where i go i've heard that too many times i love this record but i've heard yeah. that song too many times i'm not going to be driving in my car with my 18 month old daughter <laughs> in the back seat and the windows down like saying murder the government and like, then we'll do it again yeah in with in complete seriousness no ir- irony you know to be had i it's just not something that 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 i really like need to like be listening to right now that's understandable you know what i mean no effects i feel like it's they're a band which i mean Skate punk bands in general have this, where I think the things that appeal to a 16-year-old, that because yeah. opening a song, I want to see the Constitution burn. If you're 16, yeah, that's gonna get you. Like oh, that's badass. gonna get you. Yeah, yeah. Like, but obviously, yeah, as you get older, it's like the songs. Like I think No Effects as a whole, and it's kind of. I mean, I know you're less of a Blink fan, but even I know as I get older, there's Blink One of your two songs that. When you're a teenager, mm-hmm. you really like, and as you get yep. older, they're not the songs you gravitate yep. towards. You start, yep. you start liking like. I, I've talked about those other people on here. When you're when you're a teenager, you like the Tom DeLonge songs. When you start approaching thirty, you get into the Mark Hoppus shit. Yeah, which may yeah. sound which sounds so mature as I'm comparing yeah. this to Blink One Eighty Two, but like it's yeah. it's just kind of that. The same with No Effects, where the songs that probably originally got you into them, or even the reasons that get you right. into them, because I mean even even just things they do, it's like you get you know it's like you may get into Bad Religion because you're sixteen, you like the Crossbuster design. Yep. But then it's like, as you get older, you like it because, like, the intelligent songs and, like, the... Right. It's less of trying to be a tryhard or, like, you know, this is edgy. It's more of, oh, no, I like this side. This yeah. is what's aged well. Yeah. So I do see what you're saying with However, the However, there, there's a ska version of this that I like really? better. Yeah. Um, I don't remember what it's on, but there's a there's ska so version I, that I think there was... It, it was something that they... It, like... Uh, the tape version had like one one version and the CD version had the other version oh, okay. on it. Or like the, the CD version had one and the record version had the yeah, other version. That was a thing version. in the 90s. They yeah. definitely did that, like the LP version and yeah, stuff like so, that. Yeah, so um, there was one that, 
that had a ska version and you can really? you can hear it you can look it up i don't know where you can find it but just look up murder the government ska version ska and you version. can it's i think it's it's the better version to this me this song to be honest musically i mean i would like to hear it ska because musically if you change the lyrics this is just a misfit song in my opinion yeah it's just it sounds like the misfits musically uh, and i i should say it's the intro is is ska because oh, the okay. rest of because once the once the the snare hits or the the hi hat hits and and he goes into the I want to tar and lynch the KKK that's all the same. That's the same. Part. But the intro part is ska, which Ooh. I think almost fits the album better. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because there's these elements kind of like throughout the al- the for, throughout the album of ska, so you might as well kind of like sprinkle it in this like tongue in cheek song. <laughs> like it kind of, it, I don't know. I think it makes it fit even better. Like the lyrics juxtaposed to like this bouncy kind of like ska part. Yeah. I make could, it kind I of more that. hilarious. <laughs> I would like to hear the rest. Like I'm, I'm until you said that I was thinking about like the rest of the song just kind of slowed down, just like yeah, no. strokes and yeah. stuff. Just so like you could really, just like so you could really hear those lyrics. Like that's what I was imagining. Mm-hmm. I still got to hear this. So I'd like to, I'd like to hear that intro. Yeah. But like a Check slowed down, a slowed down version of this. I would, I would definitely, I, I don't, I would like to hear yeah. the thing kind of slowed down. Somebody should do like a, like a really, uh, like sincere like acoustic version of this but like with like cello and violins and like 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 a really you know those those just really like sincere like heartbreaking sounding like vocalists you know what's ironic about that i even think me first in the gimme gimme's could do a good slow like lounge version or something of this yeah they could i think even they could uh which actually it doesn't count because i don't think mike's even in that anymore I don't think he plays with them, so wouldn't it be a he? I, I I think that he plays on on their like studio albums. Oh, okay, just not live. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I, I'm thinking about it. Now. I'm like, you know, who could do that? Yeah, <laughs> the Gimmies. Yep, exactly. But uh, yeah, I mean, this is though. I, I will say lyrically, the thing I will give Fat Mike about it is like it's he's obviously like having fun and joking, but at the same time, I think means a lot of it. So it's mm-hmm. like this real. Like, like, again, like, if you were, you know, as much as it's like, okay, there's not a whole lot here, still, if just a 16-year-old tried to write this song, it wouldn't come out yeah. as good as this did. So it's like, I still got to give him this in the next song. Yeah. I actually think, like, again, you kind of go, I think some people might go, they're throwaway tracks or, you know, they're they're just whatever. But I'm like, I don't know. They're kind of clever. Yeah. I think the next one a little more than, than this, I think lyrically. Right. But just maybe more left field, maybe more yeah. random. Yep. But um, yeah, I I think this song, I I think it's fun. But again, I get I get what you're saying. It's it's <laughs> yeah. not like the reason I love this yeah. record. I uh, I don't I don't know that it's the number one song. <laughs> yeah. But uh, it is there. It exists. Uh-huh. It is track number three. Yeah. Uh, if you see them live, they're probably gonna play it. More than likely, yeah. I have heard. I which there's a few songs on here. I go, I'd love to hear them play live, and I don't think they do much. But then there's a couple where I've never seen them not play them. Right, right, right. There are some yeah. songs on this that are just like if you go see No Effects, they're gonna play those songs. Yes. Like there's no way they're even in 2022 because I was looking up live videos some of these, and they were playing a lot of these songs still even this year. I guess they'd been. I didn't even realize they were playing recently, but they were like I, I think this year and like late last year, and they were playing a lot of these still. Some I didn't even expect them to play. Right. 
But um, anything else for this, or shall we move on to track three? Yeah, let's move on. All right. I mean, one of the most— Track four. Track four, my bad. <laughs> this song, I don't know, it's a mix-up between this and, again, later the uh, French cover of just so left field, uh-huh. but a monosyllabic girl. I uh, Another one, I don't—well, I did know what it meant, but at first I didn't know what he was singing. Mm-hmm. And I had to go look it up later, and then I'm like— Oh, wait a second. That is what he's saying. I'm like, oh, okay, that's yeah. what that song's about. <laughs> yeah, because he kind of says the word very quickly, you know. He what does. I mean? um, I, I, I don't know. Like, I, this is, yeah, another one where when I was younger, this was like one of the coolest songs. <laughs> and um, now it's just kind of. I will it say exists. this. It's, <laughs> it's, it's well structured, like I was saying about them cutting out the fattest songs. This is like a fully realized song in under yeah. a minute. There's well, an, now we we're on track four. There's still not been a single guitar solo. Oh my god! No, I no guitar solos. That. I don't know. But if You know what's funny that. though? On this one, there and I counted as one. I'll, I'll ask you, but I would say the end is a bass solo. There is a bass solo at the very end. It is just Mike singing, mm-hmm. and that bass is like the end of the song. And I always go that I I count that as a bass solo. While he's singing, it's like a measure. Yeah, it's at the very end. Do, 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 it cuts out. Yeah. yeah, you know, at the very last one, I I count that as one. But he does it for like a measure or two. It's not it's, very long. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I like, and that's the thing is what what happens in this album is um, there's not really solos. There's like lead parts and like lead yes. hooks. And like little kind of like riff things. There's that things happen. that jump out of yeah. you. Like if you're listening, like it is an album actually that I think listening on good speakers or headphones because little things will jump out that you yeah. didn't notice. Like in a chorus, uh-huh. you'll hear this little riff. And again, like just one measure, just yep. come in real quick, like me, yep. like just real, just real riffage, but for like three seconds. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, this one, this one, I you don't you don't have that, but I, I would say in under a minute, you get an intro. Two verses. This one does have a chorus, right? Yeah, this one does have a chorus, actually, for being under a minute. And, uh, yeah, I mean, like, I don't know, lyrically, not a lot happening. But I also go, it, it kind of goes back to Murder of the Government, where it's a ridiculous song, but at the same time I go, if, you, if you're committing to the bit, and yeah. he does it very well. Like, the song is actually clever in the way where I go, I don't think I could write this song. Well, and it's catchy as hell. It's too. very catchy. You know what I mean? Musically, like, you gotta you also gotta say that. If you change the lyrics, mm-hmm. this I think people would like you may like this song if the lyrics are different. Because musically it's a great no effects song. Yeah. And and yeah, just between between the the chord progression and the the vocals and stuff, like it's gonna get stuck in your head. Oh, you absolutely. Know? Um, I th- I think that uh, I don't know I I think that this is just one of those ones that they were like, yep here's a here's the joke song it's it's super catchy so let's just keep it on the album there. I wonder with this too something I think about with both this and Murder the Government really I wonder if they had music for like which came first because mm-hmm. I I really think that this was like. A short song under a minute, and in my in my head, this is me assuming the song was written. It was under a minute, and this was like the first thing he thought of to write, like lyrically. I think that, I think the lyrics came later. I think he may have even had a melody in mind. Mm-hmm. I think the lyrics were like the last thing. Yeah, he probably had the song, but then I also think that he probably had. I think that w- what came first was the title of the song. 
That's a good. I didn't even think about yeah. that. I think, I think you wrote the title of the song. Part. It was like, all right, here's what this song is about. This is what this that, is going to be. Murder the government might be the same. Also that, yeah. That because you know, you know what that does happen. I don't know if it does for you, but sometimes I'll get a song till it pops in my head before there's a song. Yeah. And I have written things off of that, just off of what the thing. Just a single theme. Yeah. That's all you need. And you know what? I never thought of that part. I think you're absolutely right. I don't think music or lyrics did come first. I think the title did. <laughs> yeah. Because it's just such a it's such a random thing to write yeah. a song like so like even murder the government. I'm like okay, discontempt with the government and politics and stuff. With this one, I don't know where that comes from. I don't know <laughs> where mm-hmm. the idea for this song is. Yep. Funny too, monosyllabic and also under a minute, not two yep. minutes. It is one minute long. Uh huh. But uh, yeah, I mean it's and also. Not a bad, not a bad transition from Murder of the Government to Monosyllabic Girl. Like musically, no. they do work. Like, yep. like whatever your opinion on the songs themselves are, because they are. I don't, I don't know that anybody would put these in like the top. Like we're talking top three songs on this record. Mm-hmm. I might have to question someone who has either of these last. If you have right. track three or four in your top three, I mean, I might have some questions for you. Right, right. Including if you're over the age of sixteen. Yeah, I got yeah. some questions for you, buddy. Um, there's there's just a lot more to kind of choose from now, I guess. You know, it's a 16 track album. There's yeah. there there's more songs are coming. Right. You know what I mean. Right. But uh, shall we move on to the next? Or yeah. do You do you want to talk about this one for another? No. <laughs> Should we just keep talking about this? Okay. Now now I think we're getting into some good. T- I mean I I like those songs what they're worth, but I think I think track five we're getting back to the good stuff. Like track one and two with yeah. uh, with 180 degrees. This is a great example of them being able to jump from one sound to another in a song. I mean, this thing starts hardcore. It is like a hardcore punk song and then jumps to ska, like, mm-hmm. flawlessly. Like, mm-hmm. the way the way they do it at, like, a drop of a hat, like, seamlessly. It's just, like, I, I love it. I, I think it's something you keep seeing in the album, but I think this is really maybe the first one that really has it on this, where it goes back and forth from, like, ska to yeah. hardcore, just yeah. straight-up punk. I think musically, this is like one of the best no effect songs. I'd have to agree with um, that. I also think that um, it's kind of funny that no effects they did ska like kind of tongue in cheek. Like I wanted they, to bring that up for as much ska as on this album. Yeah. All the time, I think I've always thought of it as almost ironic on yeah. this record. And it's weird because they do it so much. You go. I is mean, it a joke or is it? Like you know what I mean? Like is it or is it not a joke? At but, this point, they had kind of like sprinkled in some ska into songs like basically since like '91, I think. Well, I even um, think of Bob. I go, there's that little part where they do it. Yeah. I think, but I think that's one where I go. I think that was almost like No Effects thinks things like that are funny. Yeah, I could see them thinking yep. it was funny to throw that in. Um, basically, like when when Hefe joined the band, they kind of like started, started going into started, it. They were like, "Oh, we we can have like the trumpet in this song." <laughs> like, no no punk bands doing that, you know. So I, I do, and I don't want to jump ahead, but like I I still think like all out of angst. I'm always like I I think I think it's the joke there is that it's a ska song. Yeah. Like I do think that's one where because you think '97, this is third wave ska is real big right now. Yep, it's kind of having its moment in the sun. So it's like I, I feel like they're uh, they are kind of taking the piss out of some of some well, it's of what's like, going on. There. It's like the song Anarchy Camp. You know what I mean? <laughs> like it's yeah. The joke is that the song is in this this style and it's about these other things. Yeah. But, um, I think that it's funny that they did it. It, they did it in this tongue-in-cheek manner, but also 
potentially did it better than a lot of bands oh, of actual ska bands that were. There's doing so it many ska time. bands that came out during this era where their albums now, unless unless you have some kind of nostalgic connection to them, mm-hmm. you're not going to get into this uh, record. You can yeah. play, I think, current day, and you get a kid who likes ska punk. Mm-hmm. Like this is like this is an album that I I do think there's certain albums where you had to be there yep. to get into it. I think yep. this is one that you could still, if a kid was like 16 getting into skateboarding and punk rock, this is still a record you could play to him and it translates. Yeah. They were like, what What if a band sounded like Goldfinger but better? That's a good, <laughs> play dude, them this, this song. This is aged better, in my opinion, than yeah. a lot of Goldfinger. Yeah. Like, so I, I, it or is, new Goldfinger. <laughs> no, dude, the last Goldfinger album beats this one. Listen, I, I've got nothing against them and john and what they do but yeah this is those were i think the people them you know (laughs) and i like all those bands too but i I do i I think fat mike probably didn't particularly love the real big fishes and the gold fingers of the world maybe not hated them but i mean he he's also vocal about things he'll let you know if he doesn't like you or your or your music i don't know if you ever heard like that bootlegged live version of the song we don't play ska anymore no. That no effects used to. They would like play it after. I think it was after this album came out. Then they started doing like Warp Tour, and they and they weren't doing any of the ska songs from this album. And they wrote a song called "We Don't Play Ska Anymore," and it's just basically just them repeating like "We Don't Play Ska Anymore" and stuff. Is it fast or is it in the or is it in it's ska? just kind of like a mid tempo song? That'd be funny if it yeah. was ska. It was a very it was the uh-huh. most ska song they ever did. Yeah, that's another that's another like uh, behind the scenes like bonus track for you to look up. <laughs> There's a lot of them with no effects because they did just put all they still do it all those random seven inches like they're a mm-hmm. band who. It's hard to compile everything. Like yeah. when you say there's a ska, I believe you for any of them. If you yep. told me there's a ska version of like every song they ever did, I'd go probably. Yep. There's probably a polka version. Like yep. there's more than likely it exists on some seven inch somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, like I think on it is a weird thing, and I'm happy you brought it up because yeah, ska on this record and just in general them is always so funny to me because it's like. I mean, it even goes with the trumpet, because in a way, sometimes I go, I almost feel like they're being funny with the trumpet, but El Jefe is too good of a trumpet player, and it's in these songs too much to be like, is it a joke? That, you know what I yeah. mean? Like, yeah. If you're leaning into the joke, it's become half your record. Yeah. Yeah. You know? There's bands. There's a, I don't, I don't know if you ever heard of I Hate Myself. There's this kind of obscure, like, 90s screamo band. Mm-hmm. But people always say, like, the rumor is it was a parody of what was going on at the time. I mean, they were called I Hate Myself. That was the name of the band. They were making fun of 90s emo and screamo. But at the same time, it it stands to this day. And I don't like a lot of that stuff. But they're still really good. So it's this thing where if they're a parody, Uh they aged better than the things they were parodying. And people love them more than most of the things they were parodying. I think I think that they I don't think that it was maybe necessarily supposed to be a parody or make fun of anything, but I think that they maybe approached it in the same vein that like they approached the different kind of songs on Heavy Padding Zoo. Like mm-hmm. they did it they did it with complete sincerity and they did it to their the best of their ability, but it also happens to kind of come off as like this tongue-in-cheek kind of thing you there's know nothing I mean? sacred with them either so i think right. they can do that yeah. we're like we can be sincere because again we we don't take anything seriously so it's not weird for it like mm-hmm. we'll get into ska and we might still make fun of it right but we can do it because we're good musicians or right. we're, you know we know yeah. how to write a song so it's like 
I guess you can't turn that part off if you're talented too. Right, right. It's just going to come out good. Because even in this song, like some of those bass lines that Mike is playing mm-hmm. while he's singing, because he's doing a lot of those moving, like he plays bass like you would in a ska mm-hmm. band. Like a lot of times those moving yeah. bass lines. However, if you see them live. Oh, does he not? Is he playing? Fat like, Mike doesn't sing the ska songs. Oh, like good Hefe, point, good Hefe point. will sing the ska songs. Or. I never thought if of that. he's singing, he's not playing those bass parts. Okay, so then. I think that this is not a song that they could play live. Are you telling me? Because I was wondering this. This would earlier. be a half a song if you saw them live. Well, I I would be willing to bet. I'm assuming too. Recording this, this was not recorded live in studio. He probably no. he probably did the bass and vocals separately. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I never thought of that with El Jefe, but you're right. Because now that I think about it, and I think of any videos I've seen or even live. It is El Jefe singing them because mm-hmm. there's some songs when they do get into ska where him, the bass lines he's playing while singing mm-hmm. and including some of the vocal melodies he's doing while because he's still being very melodic because now he's right. being like monotone. Right. He's doing a lot on bass and vocals that <laughs> doesn't, you've ruined the magic, but yeah. I'm not too surprised. Yeah. I can't say I'm too I think, surprised. I think um, when it comes to like ska or reggae bass and singing, it's so like it, it's so um, rhythmically involved it's a hard that thing it's to a do. really hard yeah it's a really hard thing to like separate what your voice is doing with what your what your hands the rhythm that your hands are going. You're to. moving around a lot yeah. too. You're not yep. you're not doing like straight pop punk where you're playing the root notes. You're just playing eighth you're just playing yeah. eighth notes and stuff like you're moving around. You're like playing chord, you're not playing chords. You're arpeggiating them and stuff. That's a big thing in in. Uh, like ska bass going, yeah. uh, I don't know why I'm doing this yeah. with people. Doing the hand <laughs> yeah. bass mo- motion. I'm going from the root third to the yeah. fifth. Yeah. I th- but I it's so. what it is, it's not that that's the hard part because you can do that and sing. That's true. But it's when you when you add that like that little hiccup, that little like dunk, ba-dunk, Little dunk, accents and shit that, like that. That part totally takes away like what you're what your voice is trying to do like because you're so focused on like getting that like tagged up with the drum or the percussion or whatever that like it's it's takes a very talented bass player to be able to like separate those two things roger from less than jake i always give credit because that is he's a he's an animal like that is a guy who can replicate that live like seeing them live like that dude can still which is insane i i not to get sidetracked i saw my facebook memories today the six years ago of the day I was recording this, I saw them play Losing Streak and Hello Rockview front to back up in yeah. Pittsburgh. That was nuts. I, yeah, I saw them play both of those albums also. Oh, did you see them on the right? I think we talked about this, yes. the spinning wheel one, yes. the yeah. Price is Right one. Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I just thought, too, for, for dudes, I mean, that's like 30-plus songs, and they did an encore, I think. Insane. Yeah. That's just insane. I give them credit. And, yeah, Roger... Just that that because I mean that's who I think of honestly because it's not it's totally it's not totally left field talking about Less Than Jake there because that's kind of who I jump to when I think of who he's trying to emulate Scott not yeah. just him but like he's trying to play like a Roger or something when you're thinking of Scott yeah. bass of that time mm-hmm. you know people who kind of play like that yeah um, I mean yeah but Less Than Jake that's the thing is like they're they're still one of the best bands live. Yes. Yes. I mean, 
it's it's crazy. And if we're talking about ska too, aging well, they're like there's so many bands. They're content like people who were their contemporaries are out when they were who did not age well. Like yep. the music hasn't aged well. Again, mm-hmm. it goes in that category of if you were there mm-hmm. from a nostalgic standpoint, you probably still like it. But in 2022, you're not going to randomly find it and fall right. in love with it. Right. Less than Jake is one of those exceptions where it's like, oh yeah, like it's like with this record. If you're getting into music, I'm sure younger kids, you know, if you're into a certain kind of music, you'd still get into like rock view or losing like right. or anthem, like, you know, whatever you like. And if you haven't heard uh his podcast, Krista makes a podcast. Oh, a podcast. Is is incredible from a songwriting standpoint. He uh, he sits down with um like different musicians and basically breaks down a single song, sits and talks with them for, you know, 40 minutes to an hour and breaks down one single song. And like, he actually goes like home, like he at home, like will sit down with a guitar and like learn that song and like, like break down like the, the chorus and different like note choices in the verse or the bridge or whatever. And like, like, the dude like totally understands like songwriting um you know front to back but the way that the way that he is able to like break down these songs in a way that you never would have like thought of that song you know what i mean it's it's just a super entertaining listen so definitely check his podcast out. He does have a good. And actually, I think he had Fat Mike on once, didn't he? I think Fat Mike was on. He episode. did. They talked about the new linoleum. Oh, oh God! Yeah, no thanks. So it was more I'll be of skipping like skipping that one. Yeah, no it was, thanks. It was more of like a like promo for the. New I thought album. it was going to be like "Eat the Meek" or something. I no. haven't heard that episode. I was assuming it was like a song uh-uh. people would want to hear them talk about. It was not lin- a promotion for their terrible <laughs> linoleum. This is all I'm going to say about because uh, we we'll get back to this, but. For Fat Mike not liking to do press, I think that's how he knew the new No Effects album was so bad. He did a lot of press for it, which yes. is something Fat Mike historically doesn't do. Yeah. He was on a lot of podcasts for that album. Well, I mean, I it was a pandemic, you know. He was probably bored. I guess. <laughs> if he was bored, he should have tried writing better. I do not like, I do not like that album. But anyway, yeah. okay. we'll, we'll, get, we'll get back to an album yeah. that I do love. This one. There we go. And you know something I was thinking about though, as we were talking about Krista Makes and Less Than Jake? Something I like about the ska songs on this, and they don't do it so much in the ska parts, but in the same songs, you'll get riffs and stuff, which also adds to it because traditionally in a lot of those third wave ska bands, the guitar is like the least interesting part. Yeah. A lot of the, even like, and I'm not, not to, uh, you know, trash talk Chris, but like, I think in Less Than Jake, I don't think he gets to show off what he can probably do on guitar. Yeah. You just can in that music. Like well, a lot of times. Especially when you're the only guitarist. You're the only guitar and then think of the bass lines that are going. Yeah. The way he's playing bass would sound terrible. Like from a musical standpoint, probably wouldn't sound good if he was riffing while also Roger's basically riffing. Right. Would not, right. it wouldn't make sense. You yeah. need, you basically need the bass to play the lead and the one guitar to basically play a rhythm. Yep. You're almost changing yep. yeah. the roles in the band. Yeah. Well, I think that's what works about them, too, oh, is it because does. it's like um, they're so multifaceted and, and have, you know, the different vocalists, the different... Uh, the different approach to like guitar and bass and everything. Yeah. It's just what works. But that's what I think is interesting with no effects also, like the way they tackle Scott. Cause like, again, I think they, I think they riff a little more in the parts where they go back to like the faster punk stuff. 
But still, even in this song, there's some good riffs. And it's, you know, they'll, they'll go from ska to, like, those riffs in a way that a ska band I don't think could pull off. It's going yeah. back to no effects being able to pull off ska, but ska band's not really being yeah. able to pull off no effects. Um, you know what else is a good combo when metal bands play punk? Uh, that they, does. They play it way better than punk bands play punk. That's... Like, have you ever heard the band Heart Sounds? No. From They're from San Francisco. I haven't even um, heard of them before. They were, they were in this hardcore band called i want to say it's light this city or something like that um like super screamy kind of hardcore kind of stuff and um started heart sounds and like basically the the singer um it's like two singers a guy and girl and they they sat down and like basically wrote a, a punk record and like started this band and like totally totally blew me away and like when you can tell when like fans of like metal and hardcore like play punk because it's like so much more precise and like comes to mind yeah exactly um definitely check check them out but though it's got that it's got like the co-vocals and stuff and uh you kind of have it in this because like like i feel like eric melvin even in his i feel like he comes he starts coming in there like some of his comes from that i I mean i think he listens to metal a little i mean if i'm not mistaken i think him and i don't know know oh their old guitar is definitely he definitely for him was a metal he was a metal head well they kind of like they they had a lot of like metal influences but they kind of like shook them off by you know like 1990. They yeah. kind of like it's around that bad religion time. They yeah. start getting more. Yeah. They start going for the more bad, which was a good was a good move. Yeah, but yeah, there there is again. It is crazy, which not really because they've been around so long. But there are so many eras of the band. Yep, like because they're not the band that I go there for. Like some bands, their first record kind of defines them. No effects is the furthest away from that for me. They don't it took get them good, a while. They don't get good for almost like six. I think they were a band for like, I mean, they started what, like mid eight. They were, they have been around longer than I think. Of, Cause I associate them with the nineties. Yeah. Truth be told, they're around most of the eighties. They, I want to say like their, their official starting date was like 83. Yeah. But, that's almost the entirety yeah. of the eighties. Yeah. So you got to think, yeah, they that's almost a decade until they got really like But I mean, when you start like say you say they started when they were like I don't know, 15 or They were or, young, yeah. or 14 or something like that. Yeah, it's going to take you like it's going to take you 5 years just to learn how to play your instrument. You know <laughs> what I mean? Point, like good, good enough to like then start writing good songs you know thank so. god they didn't get big off that old stuff though where like you'd be because i don't see how they could have no but still <laughs> there are some bands that get big off their first album or two where like yeah later on it's just like dude like we were like like i don't want to play this like we were like teenagers i can't yep. like they you know they look at it the, the, from an artistic standpoint they look at it differently yeah but yeah. you are right i don't know how they would <laughs> i guess that's a good i don't know if that's possible um i guess i guess like closing uh Anything else on this one? Oh, I will say, I don't know if they play this live. I don't think I've ever, when I've seen them live, I've never seen it play them live, play it live. But I feel like this would be a staple. This seems like a fun one to hear live. Yeah, I don't think so. They don't? I don't no? You've not, seen them, I think, more than I have. I've seen them a lot, and I, from my memory, I don't think I've ever seen them play it once. This would be a fun and I live think it's, song. I think it's because... Oh, the Scott thing. You can't, you can't <laughs> sing it. Yeah. I didn't think about that. How did I forget we were just talking about that? He yeah. can't play these... <laughs> Yep. 
I don't know. I, I mean, that's that's my guess. I don't know how true it is or not, but, you know. I uh, I did write, too, just a couple more things on this song. Um, and in general, I think sonically, but it does, it does on this song, I really hear it, like, I think Ryan Green just knew how to record this band. Like he, yeah. And he really, like, if you go look in, in liner notes, that dude produced and engineered, like, a huge chunk of, like, skate punk, basically. Fat and yep. Epitaph, like, if you put out an album on Fat Records Epitaph in the 90s, there's, like, a really good chance Ryan Green worked on it. Yes. And, like, but just listening to this album, I go, sometimes bands will get producers who just don't know how to work with them. And No Effect seems like a band who you have to ha- – the person recording them has to know that band because mm-hmm. you couldn't, you could screw this band up terribly if you don't understand them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I think I think Ryan got what they were going for, and like I, I think on this song, this album too, sonically, I think it's one of their best sounding ones. Like, yeah. it's a cleaned up version too of like the you know like you know, as we were talking about like punk and drublick and heavy petting zoo. It sonically sounds better. Not only are the songs better, I yeah. think it starts sounding better. Like just yeah, it's from just that, crisp and clean, it and is. kind of everything is everything is kind of like isolated in a way that like I see what you're saying. You you can kind of pinpoint everything that's happening if you're if you're like listening to it with headphones on. You can or like hear the guitar. You can you can hear that bass. You yep. can kind of. It is a good album. It really is like on good headphones and stuff because it is like those. Those things that are in there are in a way where you can pull them out and start like even the two separate guitars like you can you can mm-hmm. tell like kind of who's playing what you know in a, in a way that you can't always in and right. even on no effects there's certain albums where it's like everything kind of bleed the guitars yeah. bleed together like mm-hmm. it's all kind of like hidden in the mix and this is also when they were still doing um, like one guitar on one side one guitar on the other side um, it works well for them and and I think. I don't know if it was like a, a 90s thing where they were like, oh, well, we, we've got to do it the way that we're doing it live. So only two guitar tracks and maybe the solo in the middle. Um, but after 2000, there, all bands started doing a lot more like the rhythm. There's two rhythm parts, one on each side. And then the lead part is in the middle. So, like, you're getting, like, this big wall of guitar that kind of, there like, makes a things a little bit more, um, a little bit more muddy. Like, it, it, if it's mixed really well, it can sound just huge. But, like, for this, it's kind of, like, pared back and just, like, really effective in, like, a really simplistic way. Well, now that you say that, too, you, like, that is a good point because I think of, like, later No Effects albums – and it isn't as you can't pick apart the stuff as much. Like you can't yeah. as much go. That's El Jefe or that's Eric Melvin. Like yep. you, you don't you don't get that as much. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, and I never thought of that. But that that part of it, maybe even working with Ryan Green because I don't know if they work. With, I don't know when they stopped, but I don't think he's produced a No Effects record in a long time. Uh, I'm not sure. I, I know that they've got a different guy like mixing and recording them. Doing all that, like a younger guy. He's oh like, okay. In his like 30s, like mid 30s or something damn. he kind of looks like you actually oh, really? yeah damn dude yeah. well maybe, maybe i follow him on instagram i forget what his name is but yeah. give me a shot i'll produce yeah. the next no effects record do it i have no problem telling him no go write another one i'll keep i'll, I'll keep throwing a copy of uh this album at, yep. at fat mike going no go write songs like this we're gonna need another take on that <laughs> one. yeah dude we're gonna need that again I'm, I'm making, <laughs> you're gonna play bass and sing at the same time yeah 
Also, vocally, I think this era, I think his voice sounded like best yeah. during this yeah. this era. And look at we all get older, but I think like lately his voice sounds really strained. Where on this, it's like the right amount of strain. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? There's in that sweet spot. It's that real I and I still like his voice, but I was talking to someone not long ago about Brendan Kelly. And like they said, they don't really like his voice anymore. And I know what they're talking about because it has has changed with the same Softened thing. Softened a little bit. Yeah, yeah, where I think it's just from singing that way. It's the same yeah. way with Fat Mike. I think it takes its toll after doing it for decades and decades. Yeah. I think Brendan Kelly's, I still like his voice current day more than I like Fat Mike's voice current day. But again, I don't think it's anything like it's not like yeah. Fat Mike's trying to sing differently. Mm-hmm. He's like 50-something, years of drug and alcohol abuse. Yep. And probably not singing properly. Like, yep. you know, the things that they it's tell not you not sustainable. to do. Yeah, it's yeah. not sustainable. Oh, you're not. Yeah, you can never. You're not going to be able to pull that off forever. Even, even so, Davey Havoc had oh, to get that's a good point. Uh, vocal surgery. Um, Dave from Big D and the Kids Table got oh, that's vocal right. surgery. Um, so, I mean, like, and those are, like, singers that. Blake that, Schwarzenbach, Jawbreaker, he had to have it. Which yeah. he has a real, he had a real, like, dude sounded like he smoked you know, three yeah. packs every day or whatever. When you, when you sing like, like so energetically, like a lot of these singers do, like, um, it's a strain on your voice. It's like, it's like if you were to like watch like a weightlifting competition, but all of them were lifting the weights wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like that is. they're only going to be able to do that for so long before something gives Look out. Look at screamo music. How many yeah. of those people you do it wrong? Shane Told is still doing that. <laughs> you know who the dude, uh, I can't think of his name, Bert, whatever, the singer of The Used. Oh, yeah. After the first record, he physically couldn't do it. He can't do those live because it's like you, you're you like coughing up blood from doing it. Yeah. Like yeah. if you don't do that right, if you don't learn how to do it right, mm-hmm. you're screwed. You're screwed after a while. It took me a long time to figure out that Silverstein was the same vocalist. That, as you say, that it is insane that he can still yeah. that that and I think he screams. He might be the only one who has gotten better at screaming with age. Yeah, and singing. That's a really good. <laughs> that is a good point. Better at both. They've aged really well, actually. They for, for that genre of music. I, 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 yeah, and and it's definitely not a genre that I like really listen to, but um, there I don't know for some reason their albums just have really impressed me. Like. The past couple of years, like going into some of their back catalog and listening oh, yeah. to stuff coming forward. Um, they, Plus, they have good taste in music. Like yeah. that short songs yeah. comp they did, like amazing. Yeah. Plus, they're actually you're wearing that punchline shirt. I remember meeting Shane at Warp Tour. I was wearing a punchline shirt in Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. and and right away I came. I was like, punchline, aren't they from yeah. here? And I was like, oh, yep. this dude's like, oh, good shirt, man. Go. I'm like. This guy, this guy gets it. Which Chris Vafalios, the bass player of Punchline, is the producer of oh, Chris, Chris makes, DeMakes right? a yeah. podcast. It all, it all comes, comes, it all comes full together. Full circle. It comes, and also Small on top world. of that, to actually, and this will go right into the next song. After he complimented my Punchline shirt, I complimented the No Effects cover they did. There and we I go. can't remember what it was because it wasn't. It's my job to keep punk rock elite. They covered something else. It wasn't the one from Short Songs. It was another No Effects song, and I can't remember now. Was it Linoleum? Maybe. That's not surprising. It probably was. I don't know. Whatever. I know Avenged Sevenfold used to cover Linoleum a lot. Too. Oh, really? Yeah. I uh, I can't remember what it was now, but I gave him props because I'm like, not only, like, you played a second No Effects song. It's not on, because it was like a year or so after Short Songs came out. I'm like, mm. hell, you covered a diff- like another one. And you know we what's, talked about our love for no effects. You know what's sad is I would, 
um, if if so, where we live is about two and a half hours east of Cleveland and an hour and a half north of Buffalo. If no effects, like arguably one of my favorite bands was playing in Cleveland. And on the same night, Silverstein was playing an all no effects cover set in <laughs> Buffalo. Would I would probably go to the to the Buffalo show, to be honest. Dude, I don't blame you. And I saw them go. I you know I keep bringing up short songs, but I saw them on the tour when that came out, and they played that whole album. So yeah. they played all. They played a set mm-hmm. of all fast punk songs, and yep. they pulled it off. Yeah. Amazing, like they're doing Kid Dynamite, Dad Kennedy's, No yep. Effects, Orchid, like all this different stuff. Mm-hmm. And it was insane how well they were doing it live. So I get what you're saying. And I saw them at Mohawk Place yeah. too. So this nice little punk club, seeing them playing those songs, those dudes can pull off some it, stuff like that. It definitely wouldn't be as funny or entertaining oh, as the seeing stage no banter. I don't see Shane Toll <laughs> having the same, uh, no but, offense to him, but he doesn't have the stage yeah. banter of Fat Mike. Yeah. Exactly. Good, that might be a good thing, might be a bad thing. I mean, unless that's up they for just debate, like did but. a bunch of drugs or got wasted before the show. Yeah, I think that's the only. I think that's the only way. Yeah. But um, I mean, anything else for a 180 degrees? Good, no. good song. But Mm-mm. we'll we'll uh, move on here. <laughs> We're taking more time. Like <laughs> yes, every song is just longer. The uh, the next one, uh, track six. All his suits are torn. I the funniest thing about this is I forget about this song constantly. But it's legitimately one of my favorite no effects songs. Not just on this record. I love, I love this song. It's kind of left field for them. Mm-hmm. It's not particularly the most conventional. Like it's not, it's not totally different. But it's really, it's not the signature no effects song. It's I not think the that sound. This, I think that this song would fit on Heavy Petting Zoo. To be honest, thematically, I could see, I could see it's mid tempo. It's got that palm muty kind of steady feel. Um, it's lyrics are kind of like sad and depressing yeah they're very Um, one of the saddest songs on the record this song to me like i don't i i i used to kind of i i wasn't as into this song as the rest of the songs you know Mm -hmm. what i mean like as far as like being young and attention deficit and having songs like grab you oh yeah this, this one was, takes a minute this yeah this one kind of like it, it yeah it takes a while this song as an adult has totally different meaning because i've actually seen people um go down this this path that this song is kind of describing yeah. and actually like kind of ruining their lives and just like turning into you know completely different different versions of themselves and and it definitely hits different than it used to when i was like 16. oh i mean, I mean this is like what we're going back to earlier like murder of the government stuff those songs that originally got you into them it's funny because you would write off the other songs on them you might not think much of this yeah. 15 20 years later or 25 for this one yeah it's it's like no this is the this and i'm the same way like i had no effects way later but like the songs that got me into them and just the and i still like a lot of the humor of the band but like it's not what got me it's not what i like about them now it's not the thing it's not the main attraction whereas like yeah this song probably didn't hit me the first time i heard it yeah but after a while you're like oh man like i I think something he did good lyrically, I think starting the song with a name, like, I like that. That part does grab my mm-hmm. attention. Musically, it takes a second, 
But there's just something about that. I don't I don't know. I notice it in no effect songs. There's times where he'll throw a name like an actual person's name. Yeah. And something about that because I think it like it's storytelling. Were, it you is. Know? And I mean, as you like you were just saying, I think as you get older, like everybody knows what is it, Billy Coben or whatever. It's like yeah. everyone knows that it, that may yeah. not be their name, but as you get older, like you're saying, you know that person. Right. You can think of someone who fits this song. I think I think um Rancid did this well on in Outcome the Wolves, where where it was storytelling. It was yes. like about people, and here's this person in this scenario, and here's their choices, and here's the way that they're struggling and everything. Yes, it's it's kind of it's something that they did really well, and and this is kind of along the same vein as like I didn't even think of that. Yeah. You're so right, though. It's it's just this this really uh, kind of great way of of creating a visual and and immersing the listener into this this kind of experience this story yeah um in a way that like basically only like movies and tv shows do um or like books um but this is this is like the musical kind of equivalent of that of yeah. like that storytelling aspect which you got to be good at because when you're reading a book you can make those mental right. thoughts if you're too like if you don't write it's much easier to write a song where people aren't conjuring up those images it's harder mm-hmm. to do i think sometimes in song yeah and and i think the fact that it's just this like kind of like this mid tempo song and 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 just this steady kind of kind of flow it's like um like slightly upbeat you know like almost borderline kind of like poppy sounding on this one you think that yeah like you know like it's if it had different lyrics it could be a much kind of like brighter song i feel and and it's got these just this really sad, really somber, serious story kind of juxtaposed over this music. So it's like, it's it like the music is is slightly like less serious or or slightly almost like lighthearted. You could just kind of like if you weren't paying attention to the lyrics, you just kind of like be you know cleaning your house or doing the laundry or whatever, <laughs> just kind of like bopping around and stuff. But if you like actually sat down and and read the lyrics or listened to the lyrics, like it takes you on a completely different journey. Yeah, does that make sense? It is, but it's funny you say that because musically, to me, I always like I felt like it's always fit the lyrics. Yeah, like I think it's somewhat sad, but the other side of it is I feel like in the more in the verses, I think the chorus kind of blows up and like works well. But I I really think those. That verse and like that pre-chorus where they go in, there's almost like a dissonant chord. I don't know what they're that playing. one. Yeah, where he you, goes. You know exactly into, uh, what I'm talking about. I think it's an octave uh-huh. even. Yeah, like, man, I can't do it, but I, you obviously know what I'm talking about. So it's like going right from, before "Kill the Pain." I think yeah, it's right so, before he says "Kill the Pain." So I from from what I think it is is you you play a, a major note you play a major chord uh-huh. and then you play the minor version of that chord okay and that's what kind of like gives it that sad like somber sound where it is like sad if you were sound. to play if you were to sit down and play an a major on a guitar like strum a major and then strum a minor that's what oh, that's doing okay. so instead of so instead of like doing that the octave so whoever's playing the octave whether it's 
Hefe or, or Melvin comes in and plays that, that well, minor no oh, okay that that basically creates the my, that that basically creates the major to minor sound oh, okay. and and it's just kind of like uh it's two ways to do the same thing. So that's what's but rad about that, the radio show part of doing this, because after we talk about this, they can hear the song. Yeah. They'll know exactly what we're talking yeah. about. I don't know what the I, I don't know what the key of the song is or what the actual note is, but I think that that's what is happening. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Like the way you're describing and thinking of what it sounds like, that makes sense. So I was thinking about too, like going back to the the verses and like what I like about them is I and the more I think about it, I will agree with you because in a way, like where it is bright for a second, but that mm-hmm. chord progression goes from kind of happy before that even, yeah. just from chord to chord. There's this uneasiness that I think mm-hmm. goes with, like of a person who's just never, whatever it is, not comfortable in their skin. Like obviously, like substance abuse and stuff. But there's just this. There's there's not. I don't know how to explain it, but it goes with the storytelling. It conjures up in my mind with the lyrics of a person who's just. They're just not at peace, like the yeah. guy he's singing about. The music reminds me of that, going from happy to sad, happy mm-hmm. to sad, kind of. Yep. And like, but again, it does it more in the verses because once it hits the chorus, I feel like that's a more straightforward kind of punk. Yeah, you know yeah. I mean? Then like it's like it blows that, up. that rock kind of yes. cuts in. Yeah. But um, mm-hmm. I mean, the song just yeah. I mean, lyrically, yeah, very, very sad. But even like, just I don't know his phrasing, and it's great. And I also think. Like, because some songs he really does a lot of vocal melody. I think what he does really well in this, including like the verses, he's not monotone, but Mike's not mm-hmm. Mike's not doing anything crazy. You know what I mean? Like, no, this song has less. It's not trying to be as catchy or hooky as some of the other ones. Right, but the chorus is still really, really. Even catchy. the last line is yeah. just don't want the way he sings. Don't want don't want to be anyone who would want to know me. Yeah, like just the way he phrases that is catchy. Like that mm-hmm. part always pops up in my head. But like I don't I don't know like also some of my favorite you know it's funny because actually Bob is like there's another one with the name not much of an intro they just get right into it mm-hmm. and it's kind of the same where it's just this like just that palm muting and then some yep. vocals actually uh, another one whatever Dee Dee wants I think starts that way basically just yeah. kind of a real something with name songs they just kind yeah. of get right into it yep. but I, I think that works there's like a certain style of no effects song and it's not the conventional it's more of the other side like this is actually something I think they were trying to do on their last record. When they were trying to do things differently, there were a couple songs where I thought they were trying to maybe go a serious or darker route, Yeah. which for no effects is different, but then you go, not really, because they've written songs like this before. Right. Or even My right. Orphan, like, go later, yeah. My Orphan Year, shit like that, where I go, you've done it before and you yeah. can do it well. It's not a side of no effects that that you think about. Yeah. It's not what I. It's not what jumps in my head when I think of them. But that's always existed. Right. You know what I mean? That melancholic, like they can write a sad song. Yeah, yeah. They can get serious. And I mean, she didn't lose her baby. That's, yeah, pretty sad song. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, So, I mean, he's always been good about that. You know, I, uh, I don't, I don't know. It's something I forget about though. And sometimes, like, when I hear them do it present day, I go, like, oh, like that's something new, but it's really not. Yeah. They've always had that or almost always had that side. Right. Right. But, um, yeah, like, I, I love this song. I think this is another one, and I don't know if they play it live a lot or not, but I feel like this would be good after a really fast song. I yeah. think this would be after a really explosive, even, you know, even like a linoleum or some, something real big like that that hits you in the face, hit mm-hmm. like this after, yep. I think would fit really well in the set. No, because they got to f- make room for Franco on American. <laughs> 
<laughs> we're gonna, which is actually in many ways, I think on this album, just under a different. You probably know the one I'm talking about, but I feel like that song was recycled from another one coming yeah, up later, and I possibly. think they just changed the lyrics. Possibly, but um, yeah. Any, uh, I don't know anything else for this song. I mean, I, I, I love it, so. but yeah, it just, uh, it's a sad song, and I like sad songs. Yeah, I, I enjoy a good sad song from uh, from take, time to time. Yeah, take you on a journey. But uh, next song, not so sad because we got track seven, and we're all out of angst, baby. We got a, uh, you know, this is this is one I was talking about earlier, where it's like, it's it's why I think they're kind of half joking about Scott. Where I go, there's, it was on purpose. I think that this song was was I mean very much a a very straightforward ska song pretty yes. much like this song yeah. isn't one where they jump back and forth this stays very ska like the whole time and I I definitely think lyrically it's not it's not really talking about ska so much but musically no. in the all out of angst thing is yeah. very much I think aiming towards what ska was at the time and also po- poking fun at the you know cuz no effects kind of you know even though they are joking they do have the political side, and they do have social commentary. Like I feel like that yeah. has always been a thing. Where at that time, I think this is what this is their criticisms of the gold fingers, the real big fishes, and stuff. Of that, of you're not. It, it's all kind of puns and cheesy lyrics. It's not yeah. really social commentary. It's not really you know talking about what's going on in the world. It's kind of turning a blind eye to that. And I, I kind of feel like again, not all the lyrics are about that in the song, but I feel like that's part of it. That's the part of where they're kind of taking that out of Scott, where it's like, you know, yeah. you're like looking away from all the terrible things in the world and playing like happy, upbeat punk music with horns in it. Yep, yep. You know. Um, yeah, I don't, I like this, this used to be one of my absolute favorite Scott, or uh, no effect songs, Scott songs, really. That trumpet's um, good. That is some good trumpet in there. It's it's definitely catchy. I mean, I don't think the I, lyrically, I don't think that it like holds up. You know, twenty five years later, it's nothing no, lyrically. Yeah, nothing. Uh, nothing great. I don't. I, I don't think Fat Mike would say it's as. It's as maybe best he would because uh, maybe. Um, but they, yeah. I mean, it's it's definitely definitely catchy, and and it's got that like. Yeah, it's got that like juxtaposition of like happy ska music versus these like self detrimental kind of lyrics. So, um, I mean, that society don't bother me, and there's something wrong yeah. with that. It, yeah. You know, I mean, that's it kind of goes back to that of the turning a blind eye or whatever. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely like one of those things that you can you can see the that that type of t- tongue-in-cheek songwriting go into like their future albums and stuff yeah. and, and be um these different things that he that he kind of tends to like lean towards as far as like having these like jokey lyrics and stuff and, and on top of these like kind of goofy almost sounding songs you know yeah um yeah, I mean it. It definitely like hit me different when I was eleven than it does when I'm thirty six. <laughs> so, now, yeah, I think that's a good thing if you're if you're tasting the even if you still like the same albums. I think you should yeah. at least like like the your favorite song should probably change on uh-huh. it. Yeah, you know, yeah. It is like again though the trumpet on this song. I think if you took the trumpet out, the song would lose a lot of its like because it would just it would sound like a generic Scott song. I think though mm-hmm. I think that trumpet really like in another. Another credit to El Jefe, 
all the ska bands that were out at that time normally had like three people in their horn section. And Al Hefe on this record is really good with just him and a trumpet. Hold it down. Well, you know what? I saw um, Against All Authority in Buffalo and um, a long time ago. But they... Um, they were a, one of those ska bands that like went from like four, like a four or five horn section to like literally one guy on a trumpet, and and did their whole live set with just Damn. like one dude. He pulled it off. Yeah, I mean, I, it was against all authority. It was cool. Oh, that's true. It's still good. You're stuff. not worried about like the, the horn <laughs> players. True. You know, good point. Good point. Or like RX Bandits just like completely got rid of their oh, horn section. Got. Though, what a good transition. They're still so good. Like, they're a band who did it. Like, talk about transitioning. Yeah. But it actually working. Well, yeah, and they, they had a they had a real big evolution from, like, their stuff in the late 90s to, to even, like, progress. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. they, they totally went, did the right thing and, like, kind of, like, went the right way as opposed to, like, if they didn't, digging they in be- further. I don't think people – it's funny if you think about it because if they never changed their sound, people, they wouldn't have that cult following they do now. Yeah. I truly yeah. – they would have fallen in with all the bands they came up with, really. They would probably just fall into obscurity of, like, this random ska band that was on drive through Right. That would right. be their legacy uh-huh. had they not done that. Yeah. But, um, you know, going, going back to this uh, song, like, I mean, I think lyrically and musically – again works really well they mm-hmm. hit that on they hit the nail on the head for what they were going for yeah like you got to give them that it has this real that music's just so carefree like the whole time it just yep. has this this really like honestly if there was no music to that and you just heard it like on an elevator or something mm-hmm. it would just be like really you'd be, this you'd be like i'm not insane yeah you just you without lyrics it's just in your head you're like like you would just know like that's just i don't yeah. know why but that's in my head and it, but it does like it, it almost sounds like it could just be this real like background music in something yeah. if, mm-hmm. if there were no lyrics. Yep. But um, yeah, I uh, I don't I don't know I don't I don't hate this song, but I guess the same thing. It's not it's not up there as like the best song on the record. Mm-hmm. I like it. I don't skip it. I enjoy it when I hear yeah. it. Yeah. But yeah, not in not in the echelon of like I mean even the even the last song I, I thought you know I think that's one of the best ones. Yeah. This one, this one isn't in there. But yeah, still good, still good. I don't. Although I do think he could play this song and sing it live because the bass part is more straightforward. It's doom 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 doom. It's like these these straight notes. Not like it's not like staggered or anything like that. That one would. Uh, oh, actually, that was the other thing I was going to say about this. Funny enough, I actually, and maybe it exists. We're talking about all these alternate versions, like a sped up version of this. I think this song could work in just traditional no effects style like a mm-hmm. fast punk song i actually think it would work maybe one of the trumpet lines on guitar mm-hmm. but i would like to hear them kind of reimagine that as like a faster more punk version yeah well i think that's what i think that's what works really well about their second live album is they do a couple of their like slower acoustic songs like sped up as like the full band i haven't listened and, to that album forever yeah and uh like they do uh scavenger type and they do it like sped up is like the oh, full nice. band and it's just like it works really well so it's definitely something that they've done before yeah i would like i i don't think it would be crazy if they did that but i would love to hear them do it for that one mm-hmm. any anything else for that or shall we move on yeah i'm good number eight we're halfway through this thing it is i'm telling tim what i like about this song is again fat mike if he has a problem with anyone 
he will like he'll write in like he's equal opportunity because again on on it's my job to keep punk rock elite. I think he's talking more about the mainstream yeah. radio, major labels, MTV. This one, he's going for India. Like he's going for basically like punk peers rockers, and yeah. punk rock. Like he, which I like that on his record because again, when just Fat Mike in general, like it's not like he's just oh like there's nothing wrong with punk in general. It's just the mainstream. Right. He talks about what's wrong with the holier than thou of, yeah. of punk music, and again, document of the time. You have to think of 1997 in the time where. People, the sellout culture of that, he is, it's funny because at one point he's talking about selling out, mm-hmm. but this one's kind of more about the people who are so holier than thou about yep. selling out. The people who yeah. are the problem mm-hmm. about it, who make an issue with you trying to make money at all. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I appreciate this song, um, especially after hearing the version um, from one of the seven inches that was on the 45 or 46 songs. Mm-hmm. Um they they have this song on there that's um that I think was on like the fuck the kids seven inch or whatever it's a and um it's it was almost more like a demo kind of like sloppy mm-hmm. and if you listen to that version and then listen to this version it will show you how cleaned up and crisp and tight um the, the just this entire album is but especially this song like they they really just kind of like cleaned it up and polished it from the and original like, version from the yeah like the the original seven inch version and um they do this thing with the guitars where they like like basically the full band where like the guitars like like hit one note and like pause while the bass is still like playing oh, and the nice. drums still going so they're like dun so it's like things kind of like cut out and come back in and just they they kind of hit a little bit more complex than um if you were to just play it as like a straightforward punk song where the guitars are playing the whole time and the bass playing the whole time there's nothing like there's no little um extra kind of things in there that that make it more more of like a enjoyable listening experience you know what i mean it's yeah. like those just those little those little kind of jewels in the song that you that you kind of like notice when you listen to a different version of it you know yeah i, li- I like hearing those those uh like when bands will put them out and you'll hear the original or the demo version versus mm-hmm. the but like more of a realized one not like a real rough demo but like yeah it, I guess it's like the rough mix more than anything. Yep. It's kind of more in that than a demo, but like a lot of times you do like hearing what kind of what changed or what they took out. Yeah. Normally it's take out. Normally I feel like later on they take that stuff out instead yep. of adding to it a lot. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I mean, on this one, like I can't remember on that were the lyrics any different or just music. I think it in was, between them. I I think it's I think it's all the same. I think they just kind of like play it better and tighter on this album. I, I still like, you know, talking about just genius of songwriting, like just you better you better watch out, you better not cry, you better put out records DIY. Yep. It's such a great like for the for again, like for the for the content of the lyrics and just being like clever. Like again, yeah. like because if you're going after your peers and people, because like the major label's one thing. You don't see those people. These are people you've got to play tours with, you yep. see and play like you know what I mean? They really are more of peers. Yep. So it's like if you're going after people, you got to be clever. You got to be good. And I mean, I, I think yeah. I think very well executed. 
and I think uh, I think also uh, lyrically from from this standpoint, you can you can see the future of Fat Records and the the hate that they would get. A lot of the bands that joined Fat Records yeah. would get after you know being like on smaller DIY labels or whatever. Even against me, like even though the major label is what we all think about, I've heard Laura talk about where just the jump from no idea to fat, they were getting people like trying to slash tires at show, like insane. Again, going with the insaneness of sellout culture of the 90s. Yep. You know, I mean, the ridiculousness where it's like, it's too far. Yeah. Yeah. You also got to think of Epitaph because I'm sure Epitaph, which they were on at this time, was probably getting crap for getting because at that point they already had Outcome the Wolves, Smash came out like you know they they weren't that small label anymore yeah, that way. I although I don't know I mean you know Epitaph probably didn't care. I mean it was they the didn't, first I'm sure time they still got criticism. They got they from definitely other labels. got criticism, but whether you you cared oh, as yeah. you're sitting in your bathtub full you're of money. Swimming you know? in, it's Brett yeah. Gurwitz is uh, swimming in that sweet, sweet S- like smash money. Scrooge McDuck style. <laughs> um, I don't think that you really mind that much. That's a good point. Like he was, you know, people like send him hate mail and shit. Yeah. And then he'd like go and check his bank account real quick. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then he felt better. Well, I don't think he cares, but I wonder if Fat Mike from the standpoint of being, you know what I mean? Yeah, being on that he definitely... Label, yeah. If he, people gave them crap for like, oh, you guys are on Epitaph, like, you know. Yeah. But he, you know, you got to, you can't feed the trolls. You no. know what I mean? No. So. Which in their grid, because again, like if you wrote this and it like was cheesy or didn't sound good and age well, like I still think it's a good song. Like yeah. I still think like knowing the culture of that time and everything, right. what he's going for, I think he did amazing. Yeah. Like, like I, I think this is a song that did age well, like of the... I, yes, I don't know that it's top sure. three of the record, but it's up there is really, really good. It's like, short. It's quick. It's just like, you know, it does what No Effects does best on this record. There's a couple like like on this record, and it's not just like one song. There's a few that are like it's just quintessential. No, like if I'm thinking about the things that make me like No Effects, yep, they're on these songs. Yeah, whether it's those harmonies, those weird chord progressions, like just the vocal melodies. Mike, Mike, messing up the pronunciation of things to make it yeah. work. Like all of that is on this record. I feel like, uh-huh. you know, like all of it, all of the things I love are here. And uh, this song also musically, I mean, another one just drum wise from Smelly, like just mm-hmm. one of those, just so per- like it's not even that he's doing a bunch of crazy things. It's the tempo that he's playing at and keeping yep. it so steady. Yep. You know, yep. it, it's just some of these faster ones that go like that's it's just precise. And there is that start and stop too. like yep. not so much for him, but like just musically, it does kind of move around a little bit. Like, you know, it's not it's not all it, not that it goes into like Scott territory and stuff, but like musically, it's doing a couple little different things. And it just like it works really well. Mm-hmm. Another thing like vocally, I think Fat Mike just has like talking again about like how good his vocals. Like I think it is like one of the best airs of his voice. He has that bratty, like, snarl. Mm-hmm. Like, he means yeah. it when he's singing this. Like, you can tell yeah. he has an issue with the people he's singing about yep. and, like, the scene and stuff. Like, it's genuine. Mm-hmm. And he has just that, it's that right, like, youthful, like, I don't know if it's youthfulness or just pure anger on his part. Like, whatever it is. I don't even sounds angry, angry. Yeah. 
But you know what I mean. Like it's I don't, I it's don't... it's that that authenticity and sincerity in his voice. Yes. Um, and you think about like the first line of linoleum, like possessions never meant anything. It's like you, I'm not you even know, that, yeah. I'm not crazy. Like, like as he's like going up. Yeah. Like yeah, there there is that that genuine. It's genuine. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Even it's, even if he's not hitting, you know, he may not be the world's greatest singer, but it's one of those things where no one else could sing for like if Fat Mike left No Effects tomorrow. I don't know who's going to replace him and sing like that or pull those off. No, no. I mean, I, and he's he's just got such a unique voice and in, in in a way that's like not necessarily like um, from a from a vocal like a, a vocally superior point of view. It's just a unique like a unique thing in a in a Jackson Pollocky kind of way. You know what <laughs> yeah, I mean? And he wouldn't and the other like vice versa of no one would be only to like take over for him. I also don't see Fat Mike taking over for a lot of other like I don't see him pulling off a lot of other yeah. genres of music or being other bands. Or well, I mean you notice it like in in Me First and the Gimme Gimmies, like if he ever does like a harmony or a line or something in the song, like you know it's him. <laughs> yeah. You like he definitely is standing out even uh, like, and like, likewise, Joey Cape, like if Joey Cape is yeah, doing a harmony point. or a line or something like that, like, you know, it's him. Like that's what makes me first. So such a cool band. Yeah, like, you're mixing those, like these huge personalities, really. However, I think at this point, I, I, I'm not sure if it was this, but it was definitely in the decline. Spike Slauson, started doing all the backup vocals for no effects yeah i didn't know that he started he started doing them on like all their all their albums i had no clue about that yeah yeah damn yeah um and definitely like pump up the volume and stuff like he's he's in there like doing those like three-part choir like (laughs) the good stuff stuff. like the really they still have they still have like hefe on there and melvin and all that and like they're still doing that, but he's going in doing in like there. those t- those tight layered harmonies in there. I'm not sure if he if if he's on this album or not. I know it was really early on. They probably maybe was the started. Was first me first album out by now, or is that a couple years later? I, I don't know. I I, I want to say it was around 97, 98. But because I feel like they, it's in this era, but it could have came after this album per yeah, se. Like it, still the era. Could even have been 96, but I don't know. I mean, I was <laughs> I was still <laughs> like true. so oblivious, but. There's no excuse because I've still been I've been fans of a fan of yeah these you poser for, yeah <laughs> you poser how dare poser. you not know <laughs> yeah I, I uh, yeah I don't know I I love this song and again like I think his vocal delivery just works perfectly with what he's singing and stuff like it's just a good song yeah it's a very good song and I and again like I like the uh, I like that he can go back and forth he can he can talk a little trash on the majors. You can also talk trash on indie labels. Yep. You know, if he has a problem with you, he's going to let you know about it. Yeah, get fucked. Yeah, exactly. Um, anything else on this one, or shall we get going to uh, track nine? Track nine, let's do it. All right, it is uh, track nine. I'm probably going to destroy the name. It's like Champs-Élysées? Yeah. Okay, but uh, this goes back to, I put this in the same category as Monoslavic Girl, where I go, I don't know what the decision like i had to look it up but this is like an old french song it's like an old yeah. i guess standard or something yep and they just went and covered it and it's in the yep. middle it's track nine it's kind of in the middle of this album it's just yep. a random all in french yep song i yeah I, i'm not <laughs> i don't know how you feel about this song uh when i was younger i used to be obsessed with this song because i was like um 
it's so cool that it's in French and possibly teaching me French. I don't know. If you know what he's I don't I, like I didn't know that this was a cover song. I didn't know what they were saying. Like I didn't know I, until the other day it was a cover song. I knew I, it was in French, but I never looked it up before. I thought maybe these guys were French. <laughs> I don't know. Like No effects is a French name. Yeah. When <laughs> that must be French. <laughs> um I mean when I was like when I was a kid, kid like I knew nothing about this band, you know what I mean? Yeah. So like I didn't even know like what they looked like. They had a there was like a picture of I don't know if it was this album, but a picture of the bass player from Limp was Yes, on, I think was it is as, this record. As Fat Mike. Yeah. And I was like, I didn't know I didn't even know what he looked like at this point. I think you know this what is I mean? the one in the liner yeah. notes. It's all different members of just different bands. Yeah. As, yeah. As, as just them. totally trolling their fans. <laughs> like Well it goes back to like again, like nowadays liner notes are like kind of a like a lot of people don't have liner notes. They just get it digitally. It's not yeah. even a thought. Yep. Back then, before the internet and social media, that's how you find out the band's names, yep. what they look like, unless you see them live. But I think that's the thing. No Effects has that sense of humor where instead of maybe this would help us if we were like more wet, like you know who we were and our names. We didn't make it so hard to just get a straight answer. But then it's hilarious because you go think of how many people went and saw them live. And we're like, and no, this know. isn't them. Yeah, because again, even when you think <laughs> yeah. of like MTV and stuff, they're not on MTV. Right, there, there, right. there aren't music videos on MTV to see them. Yeah. Their picture isn't in Rolling Stone. Like, it's not this well, thing. Well, it, it was at some point in oh, like yeah, 2004. At oh, at that point, yeah. yeah. But I mean, I, I think back in like the 90s and stuff, they, no, like you, they like, weren't really doing interviews and all yeah, that stuff. It is, it is hilarious. That's because the albums were still good. They, yeah. They didn't have to promote, That's funny. <laughs> promote single albums. But anyway... <laughs> Um, I, I will say with this song too, though it is funny because you were like you were saying you liked it more when you were younger. It does seem like a song where like like I don't know you do have a kid though she's like really young, but like if I had a kid, I feel like this would be a one you could see a kid like getting into. Yeah, just because it sounds it's, yeah. fu- it's fast, it's fun. You don't gotta know what he's singing; just yep, the melody's it's bouncy. Fun. It's just yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I, w- I would play this for my daughter. It's probably more appropriate than a lot of no effects songs. It's a pro- <laughs> It's more appropriate than every no effects. Song. That's a good. Uh, you know what? The only appropriate no effects song for kids is one that's saying an di- entirely different language. Yep. It's in French. <laughs> it's a. Uh, I don't know. It's one of these songs where, like, I still like something. I will say though on it, even though I think it's so random, it is a good testament of how just a song, if it's good, because like I don't think I don't even know if Mike knows what he's singing, but like musically it fits with the rest of the record and even like that melody is just so catchy of what he's singing and stuff that it gets into your head where it's like it doesn't matter if you know what he's singing it doesn't matter you know like like it's random yes but like i feel like it fits now do i think it's crucial to the album no i don't i don't know this album Mm -hmm. i don't think i'd like it any less if this song didn't exist on it but i do think it fits where it's at it's kind of this it's harmless you know what i mean it's fun yeah it's it's fun like i don't there's certain songs I detest where I go, why is that on a record? I wish it was off. Yeah. There's somewhere I can think about it right away. I go, I wish that song wasn't on that record. This one, yep. I don't really care. And I yep. won't skip it. I'll listen yep. to it. Like, that is what I'll say about this record. Like, even the songs we've talked about that aren't as good, I won't ever skip them. Like, right. I don't really skip Murder of the Government or Monoslava Girl. They may not be the best songs on the record, but I'm not skipping them. Yeah. You know, yeah. They're, they're not garbage. They're just not... There's so many other good songs on here. Yeah. You're not going to spend your time on that. Right. You have too much. You just have too much other good stuff. Yeah. And also, like, when you're younger, you'd, your your attention span's a lot 
worse too this so album's like, good for that though yeah, There's a lot of yeah short songs but it's like then you come in with this kind of like slower poppy song and it's like i don't know it don't does know go I, back and forth i do like yeah. that part the slow kind of verses and then picking it back up in the in the choruses well especially like uh when it gets to when it gets to the i don't know if it's the bridge or whatever but it's like at a minute minute 45 where where they come in and start doing it fast so it's like double time then it's yeah, like yeah, the yeah. song the song is so like that part of the song is so much more effective because the earlier part of the song was was kind of so slow and steady you're right about it too yeah. it's, and i because i just said choruses but you're right the first chorus really isn't like that it's the second half of the song like all yep. together basically yep or like the very end of it that it really picks up because yeah in my head i was thinking about that i'm thinking it was like double time for both but it's not it's just they get a little louder in yep. like the first chorus but yep. it doesn't pick up speed but that is it is fun like just those dynamics and stuff it's another where i go musically sounds like a classic no effect song even though it is a cover like it yep. works really well musically as a no effect song like that part if you told me like no effects wrote that i totally believe yeah. it like yeah. from that standpoint um but they did and i don't know to be honest i've never heard the original song i don't know i assume it's not they had to put the no effects touch on i can't imagine the original song sounds like this did you ever hear the their cover of vincent no, are you talking from, about the Don McLean song? From yeah, it's on uh, forty-five I, or forty-six songs. You've never heard that I've cover? Had, I have that album. I didn't. I don't remember them. Co- the Don McLean song. I think so. If it's the song I'm thinking of, yeah. I have to go back and listen to this because no, I heard it at some point because I have that album. Yeah, but it's been years because I don't remember yeah. them covering Vincent. Yep. Like Vincent, I'll let, oh got it. Starry, starry night. Yep. That yeah, that's not. I love that song. Yeah, the original. I okay. Mm-hmm. I need to go back and listen to that. Well, No Effects did their version of that, and I'm assuming that this song they did their version of that. The same thing, yeah. Yeah, where it probably doesn't where, sound like the original. No. Yeah, and I, if so, if the writer of the original heard their version, <laughs> probably would be pulling their hair out too. Yeah, I saw there was a headline of an interview. I uh, I can't remember what one it was. I can't remember what song they covered. What Eagle song? Do you know what Eagles? Me song? first. Maybe it was them. Yeah, Fat Mike was talking about how he talked to someone in the Eagles. And they said it was the worst Eagles cover they've ever heard in their life. Desperado? Was it Desperado? I think it might be. Yeah, but it's funny because it's like that. It's the same thing yeah. where yeah, the original song is probably not into the that yeah. that little Fat Mike. Please touch don't to ever it. play that yeah. for me ever again. <laughs> yeah, please don't. It really is kind of acquired taste because it's funny. Like to, you know, like no effects are kind of like like oh my god, it's Fat Mike and stuff. You know, it's like love yep. them to death. But yeah, punk is one of those genres. I guess all genres kind of have it, but it's like if you're not into it, yeah, it may it's you're definitely not into it. No effects <laughs> is a very acquired. T- like we love them, but it's like you do think about it. It's like yeah, I don't. It's not a band you can just play for anyone and just expect yep. them to love it the way you do. Yep. You can't put on some of these songs and just hope that person gets it the way that you. Get I it. I have been with my wife for nine years, and she has probably only heard like. Uh, a handful of no effect songs. That's how much I love her. <laughs> what a good husband. Yeah. Um, I curate for my wife. I mean, honestly, yeah, there's some songs I could see maybe not. There's, yeah. No effects is a band. You got to get ready to hit skip if you have like she, wife and kids. Although she's she's come with me to shows. Oh, okay. So, so she knows what they're know, about and stuff. Yeah. She, she's definitely had a good time. Um, <laughs> we, yeah, we, we've seen them a couple of times and. The last, I think it was the last time we saw them. It was at at Punkin Drublick in um, in Virginia before 
the incident uh, <laughs> and the, and they got canceled but um that tour was like mostly just shit talking on stage like they were going out of their way to just try to say the most offensive stuff on stage this that was they 2018 could. right 18 yeah okay so and, i saw them i saw them in may of 18 like a couple months before the las yeah. vegas thing so yep. i think this is the same time yeah this was and you're right they same were, tour yeah i saw them in pittsburgh and they were doing a lot of trash talking yep and uh, like going out of their way to like just, just yeah. say as, as much foul stuff as they could. So I was not surprised <laughs> a couple months later. That but eventually it bites them in the ass. What happened, what they did was they booked Bad Religion to play an hour and a half, to play like that one album front to back and basically play just super tight, really high quality, hour and a half. Sun goes down, everybody's hammered because it's a beer fest, 21 and over beer fest, and then No Effects just plays just this, the shortest, sloppiest set that you can possibly see, and then they leave. And oh, everybody geez. leaves happy, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, Because it's like, well, what do you expect? But, like, yeah, at that, that point, they were just... That acquired tasting, the funny thing about yeah. that is I remember my uh, a couple friends meeting me at that Punk and Drublick show who were going, and they left after Bad Religion. Yeah, if, because they're a yeah. band again. If you if you really like No Effects, you really like them. But if they're not, even if they're just kind of not your thing, you're not going to stick around for that. They knew what it was. Like I could tell when I asked yeah. my friends, like, "Oh, you're leaving," and they're like, "Yeah, we're not. We're not no. really into No Effects." Yeah. Like, no, thank you. My biggest regret of that was the Interrupters played, and I didn't pay attention to them because I was screwing around with my friends. And I they put out a record that I really liked that same year, so I was kind of sad I didn't pay more attention to them at that show. Wait, they were playing, and you were like. And you just like you didn't realize they were playing. I knew or they were, were like, playing, but someone, someone, <laughs> no shenanigans. I would, yeah, let's just show. say, yeah, I was shenanigans. My mind wasn't on the interrupters at yep. that point. Okay, we'll leave it at that. Last gang was on that tour. Oh, they weren't on that show because I would have paid attention to that because I was into them at that point. Last gang and um, I, I wasn't. I, I had seen them and that was like my first time hearing this last record people are all on them i was on the record before i was really i like this one too but that that keep them counting i can't remember now it's from eight they put it out in 2018 it was really damn good yeah um and then mad caddies played as well mad caddies played my it was mad caddies interrupters bad religion and no effects i don't think there are any other bands yeah but that that was mine i I mean i gotta say honestly and i like no effects but i do think bad religion had the better set well, that's I, I guess that's I a think given. I think no effects would tell you that bad religion had the better. <laughs> yeah, set. you know what? I guess, I guess that's I'm kind of yeah. stating the obvious. You were like, here. yeah, duh. That's why we had them on the tour. Even the last time I I can't remember, but no effects. I saw them a year or so before Punk and Drublick, and it was kind of the same thing. Yeah, like a lot more banter than actual songs. Yeah, and just kind of actually Mike more than anyone. It was more I should say Mike. Yeah. <laughs> He's been on a journey the past uh, six years, I guess. To say the least, I, yeah. I, would, I would say so. But yeah. um, any anything else for this? Uh, again, I would love to know the backstory. I mean, really, I'm probably giving it too much credit. It's probably like monosyllabic girl where it's like, it'd be funny. They just It's no effects. They think it's funny yeah, to throw know. that on there. I don't know what the reasoning was. Again, I could do without it, but I don't hate it. I'm not going to skip it. Right. You know, but it, it kind of it, – there, there's a couple on this album – We'll get to another one soon where it's like, I think we're okay if it wasn't on here. Yep. You know, still love the album. Wouldn't care if it wasn't on here. Mm-hmm. So uh, moving on to track 10. The I mean, again, with uh, his suits are all torn, this is the second. So, like, if I'm thinking of the two big sat, like, 
like tear jerkers or just mm-hmm. whatever. Not even tear jerkers, but like the serious songs on this record. Dad's Bad News, which is another really, really good song. I think this is another up there is like one of the best songs on the record. That uh that bass intro, another really strong bass uh-huh. intro. Yeah. That uh not that he's doing anything crazy, but he is doing a little more on that than he is with uh, yeah, a little kind of walking bass line thing. Yep. Still okay, so this is what, track ten? Yeah. We're at? Yeah, we're on ten. No guitar <laughs> solos. Not a single guitar solo. Couple bass solos. A little a little ba- bass thing. In quotes. A few a few like guitar embellishments. That's we'll a good say. way of putting it. That's a good way of putting uh, it. No guitar solos. <laughs> Damn, dude. Including on this one, because this song is I don't know about you, but this has very face-to-face vibes to me. This yeah. could be a face-to-face song, in my opinion. And just kind of goes like verse to chorus, to verse to chorus, to bridge. It's like, more straightforward. Yep. Also, just like just like face-to-face, the bass is doing a little more than the guitar. The guitar on this is more straight chugging and more rhythmic. Mm-hmm. It's not riffy. There's not really leads, I wouldn't really say. Yep. It's a lot less of your traditional no effects like guitar-wise and stuff. And it is, it is that, I think, that more mid-tempo punk of that time like face-to-face yeah. obvious is just the obvious one to me i go i could see them doing an amazing version of this but it's just that real which i gotta say they do well i think the i think the guitar on it is real like they're good at just playing in the pocket just that real chugging yeah and a couple times that didn't not like i can't do mm-hmm. it but i think you know what i'm talking about where they yep. go from muted to like strumming it out whatever the yep. hell you want to call that and they do it very well but again it sounds it sounds like that other side Kind of the like punk of the time that also is into the Fugazi or the emo post hardcore side, you know what I mean? Who yeah. can kind of were into that, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Or maybe listen to Jawbreaker and stuff and kind of had yeah. that side. But um it's another one where yeah, it doesn't I don't think it sounds like a straight up conventional no effects song, but I think it's right. one of the best songs on the record. Yeah. I love this song. Here's an example of him pronouncing a word weird. <laughs> Lay it on us. Psy- psychotic. He's saying psychotic. Yeah, I know. Ne- He's dude, saying psychotic. I've been trying to figure out psychotic. I'm not even lying. Yeah. Until you just said that. Yeah. Like, why would you sing that like that? That's weird. But it does. It doesn't work if you sing it psychotic. Yeah. It does. That, yeah. That's the thing. It's like if you're talking to an English teacher, they go like, "That makes no sense." If you're a songwriter, yeah. Like a good songwriter is like, "Screw it!" Like, we'll break the rules. Like, it 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 works. Hmm. I don't know what the what the story is behind the song, or like if there's a specific like true story behind the song. I've wondered that if it was like um, I I take it for face value and go it's about his like him himself, but it could just be a character. Uh, yeah, I don't think it's I don't think it's about him. I think it's I think it's a story about somebody. But this one just um, for me at, like. And when I was younger, I used to really like this song, like, again. But for me now, it's, like, too heavy. I think with, with everything that we've that has, like, come to light about, like, mental health and, um, like, suicide awareness and everything oh, like yeah, this, yeah, yeah. this song, like, um, is just, like, it's so much more of a bummer now than it, like, <laughs> used to be. You know what I mean? Because yeah. it's, like... Um, it's like just the most kind of like sad version of like that that like mental health suicidal oh, there's like no struggle. Hope in this song. Yeah, like it's hereditary. They're just yeah, like this is like, going to keep passing on and you can't yeah. really stop it. 
I'm going to kill me. You're going to kill you. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's there. There's not like a gleam of hope in the, it's not like the song ends on like a real high note. Or anything yeah. Like no, that. it's like, it's like, Jesus Christ. Like how, how bleak can, can a song get, you know what I mean? Like, um, so this one definitely, uh, every, depending on my mood, every once yeah, in a while, I'll have listening. to like skip this one just because it's like, if I was in a fast big mood, of a downer. Yeah. If I was in a mood for like fast, just traditional no effects, this isn't going to make it on the playlist. Uh-huh. I really like this song, but you're right. If I'm like, if I'm listening to like the linoleums and just, just all around fast songs, yep. this one's not going to make it on that playlist. Like I'm not putting this on. Like if I'm going to like to work out, probably mm-hmm. not the No Effects song that makes it on a like, right. workout playlist. Right. You know, you're not you're not running or exercising this one so much. Yeah. It's, it's a little too sad. But yeah. see, at the same time, it, it goes to like, you know, which is so funny where they kind of like look at at all sides of it because you look at a song like all out of angst. Mm-hmm. You know, everything's per like. But again, it's that it's that thing where it's like it's not really. You know, yeah. on the surface it is, but it's not really right. Any right. kind, of, I mean, at the same time with in this song, but also with uh, with suits. Uh, what's he? What's he? Uh, oh, I just had in my head and I just lost it. In the uh, chorus, it's like the first. Oh my god, I can't think of it right now. And I just had it in my head. There was a specific line I'm thinking of, but like he's just again. It's basically the same thing of like not everything's not hunky dory just mm-hmm. because you say it is or because you ignore it. Is it in the first verse? The first chorus. I think it's in the first chorus. Kill the pain. Integrity don't keep you warm. That's a good one. That that (laughs) right there is one of them. Yeah, there's a few lines there. I think that was what I was thinking of. Is like just that. Like again, it's it's that like. Don't want to be anyone who would want to know me. Yeah, that. But that including the first one you just said, like the uh, integrity don't keep you warm and sane. It's like that someone just telling you to put a smile on or something like that. Like. To quit, to if you have an addiction, to just quit or something like that. Yep. It's kind of that. Like it doesn't work that way. Yep. You know what I mean? It's kind of the same in this song where it's like putting a smile on doesn't work. It didn't work for me. It didn't work for who came before me. It's not going to work for you. You know, it is, it is hope. Like you were saying, I mean, going kind of to your point, it is a hopeless. Yeah. He's he's not trying. Which I don't think Fat Mike ever. I think to this day he doesn't really write songs with like at the end there's hope. You know what I mean? No, he no, he doesn't. He doesn't like uh, the only, turn it around. He kind of sticks to the theme. The only one I will say he kind of does it on would be, I believe it was, I wrote it down on one eighty on one eighty degrees. He kind of does where I think he, like the way I take the lyrics, they sound angry and stuff, and it sounds like the world is a screwed up place. But you also don't have to accept that. Yeah, you can be yep. you can be mad at those because there's this hopelessness in in parts of it where it's like. You may not be able to change the world. This is the way it is, but it doesn't mean you have to accept that. Right. You know what I mean? Like, right. so, but I would say more times than not, he doesn't. That's yeah. more an exception to the rule. He more times writes a song like Dad's Bad News. Yep. Where there's, it's not going to end on a, uh, I mean, it's the same guy who wrote Xmas has been X'd. Yeah. There's a lot. Of, there's a lot of, yeah. He's not really into writing happy, which I guess at the same time, we might not like no effect so much if all the songs were really happy. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? If he was trying to write songs that you want to roll your windows down on a song. It is funny because no effects, I don't know if they like the pop punk category, but I feel like people kind of throw them in that. Even I do. But it's yeah. that different side of it where it's like there's certain pop punk on a, on a hot summer day, you roll the windows down and blast it. Mm-hmm. No effects songs you can't do that with. Whether it be lyric, well, actually, most of it is lyrical content. 
yeah. probably shouldn't be blasting that. Yep. But um, yeah, like the, it's the different side of that because some pop punk is so that term even really you think about how general it is because pop punk can mean this really just very poppy, sugary like it's almost pop music, but there's power chords to it. And then you have the other side that it's like. It, like no effects i mean i know for a long time they were categorizing themselves under like melodic hardcore and were like leaning into that which which i think it just meant they were being labeled pop punk and didn't like it yeah that's like newfound glory now they fall into pop punk like everything they sell shirts with pop punk on it yeah back in 2001 Pop punk was a four-letter word, and they were getting called that, and they're like, no, we're anything but pop punk. We're easy core. We're, yeah, we're emo. We're, yeah, we're emo. <laughs> For a while, you might even go emo. It might yeah. be better than that because it's like a lot of time. Even actually, look at emo now. Emo used to be derogatory. Now yep. bands are like, yeah, we're emo. Like, yep. come to the emo cruise or whatever. Like, people, it's yep. weird how that's changed because there was a time where well, these terms were derogatory, basically. Because, because what happens is, is the kids who were – we're listening to that and we're influenced by that are now the adults now and are yeah, deciding what's, what what's, you know, what's cool, what's getting funded, what's what they're putting their dollars into. You know what I mean? Like it's the same reason why, why, uh, breweries are like popping up all over the place and have like arcade games and, and cornhole and stuff like that. There's it's because a lot of those like, right now. It's because like when we were kids, we were like, we were like, you know, it'd be fucking awesome when I'm an adult games, there's going to be places you're going to be able to go and like play games and drink beer and like arcade eat. baby. And there's going to be a <laughs> truck outside that serves pizza slices. <laughs> and like that it's like the, the world is kind of like becoming the, the place that, that we, you know, you just play games like in your pocket. <laughs> That's you know? true. Like, in our, you're coming yeah. from a time where even I remember arcade game. I mean, like at the ass end of it, but like, you go to an arcade, you put quarters yep. in. If you run out of quarters, you're screwed. Like, yep. you know, you can't. You don't have everything at your fingertips. You have yep. whatever is at the arcade or wherever you're at. Yep. The world is being shaped by like the the wishes and promises we gave ourselves as children in the 90s that is a great point actually as you, as you so say you're that, welcome like, <laughs> yeah hell yeah if that's your uh that that uh i think fat mike should be thanking them all because that punk and drublick was all craft you know what that pissed me off for for a tour called or a festival called punk and drublick the cheapest beer they had was a $10 craft beer that tasted worse than a PB. Like, yeah. I was looking for cheap booze there. Yeah. All you could get was whatever nasty, I think it was the Punk and Drublick beer, yeah. whatever they called it. It was $10 and disgusting. Punk and Drublick, yeah. Yeah, well, it was nasty. What, what happened was it was like during the day, they gave you the tiniest, like, little goblet. I didn't get those because like, that line was so long for those yeah. freeze. Yeah, those little goblets they were giving and away. And so it was like you could drink. You could get unlimited from like, from like whatever hour, which I think was like before even the band started. And then when once the band started, or once the like, I, it was some 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 crazy early time. You could get free beer, like, and they were like, "Oh, it's a free beer. You just like it's like a a, a complete oasis here. You get free beer. You get to listen to no effects and stuff. They give you the." It, but reality was tiniest cup in the world and free beer until the band start and then 
no more free beer. Now beer is ten dollars. Yeah, and, that was exactly what yeah. it was. And I had to look around because I'm like, somewhere they got to be selling a PBR somewhere in here. There was free. However, there was free like weird energy drinks. Some of there was some there like was. tent. There's some yeah. tent with free energy. Someone who drinks, paid so, in to be there yeah. for a promotional thing. They're like, we know that when you're done with this concert, you're gonna want to shit your pants driving home. So, so here's, here's all these drink. free energy drinks. That's like so Warp Tour being welcome. sponsored by like energy drinks. Where it's like, what else would you want in 90 degree heat and on a hot summer day but a Monster Energy? Listen, these kids aren't gonna <laughs> hydrate themselves. We gotta, we gotta push the good stuff. You we know? got. They don't know it, but they need Monster more than they need water. You don't. They know need it, it more than they need blood. They, but they were on to something with that canned water on Warp Tour too. Obviously, with everything now, they were they were obviously on to something with the monster water in a monster can. Yeah, now it's now it's uh, what the liquid, liquid death. death. Yep, something. No effects is. I mean, oh, there's a lot of bands that are like, I don't know, they're either sponsored by them or what, but they're they're pushing that everywhere, sh- pushing that shit. And they're just like, Warp Tour water, just in their Instagram feeds and stuff. Just like, oh, here's us just hanging out. Oh, I see it all on a oh, tour bus, and then yeah. there's a 12-pack over yeah. here. I see that constantly. Yeah. I, it makes me laugh because we're going back to, like, this album in a different time where I go, not to not to shit talk, but I go, what would Fat Mike and a lot of fat bands of the 90s think of, think of being sponsored by canned water? Yeah. <laughs> That's all I got to say to yep. that. Yeah. Maybe I'm burning a – the Power Chord Hour will never be sponsored by Liquid Death, but I'm like – sometimes I look at it and go – I know you got to make a buck, yeah. but at the same time, you were writing about certain things at one time, yeah. about integrity and different things that make yep. me go, that's a little weird, but okay. Yep. But anyway. You're um, going to get a 12-pack of Liquid Death on your doorstep any day now. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. Or through my window. You're going to, the next, next show, you're going to be like, you know, last episode I talked about you know, a certain company, and I'd much like, to like that, Mike. I yeah. said some regrettable things. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to apologize. Actually, pretty refreshing. Yeah, actually, pretty damn refreshing. You're gonna hear me crack one open at the beginning of every episode coming up. That's the cool, cool, crisp sound of liquid death. <laughs> if you're wondering what I'm sipping in this mic, some ice cold liquid death. Murder your thirst. <laughs> On that note, yeah. on murdering our thirst, any anything? Oh my God, that's perfect yep. for track eleven. Kill rock stars. Exactly. It's like murdering your thirst, but you're killing rock stars once again. And this is one that's so funny that I never looked up the backstory of this song yeah. until getting this around. I don't know yep. how it never made me look it up, but uh, and I still don't get. There's not a clear, concise start to the beef. But obviously, him and Kathleen Hanna don't care for each other. No. And I don't, there isn't, there's not a cut or dry. There's like, I read some things of Fat Mike where they played together and Bikini Kill like had some issues when they were, but like never got into specifics mm-hmm. or anything like that. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't entirely know the whole, ba- like the backstory's out there, but not the whole backstory. Yeah. And I think that they, I want to say that they have a song like a, like a. El Tigre. Is that what you thought, the response? Um, yeah, something like that. So that, I looked like, this... rips off of linoleum Okay, so here's, like here's the funny thing about that, because, again, I didn't realize the beef. I didn't realize it was about – I don't know how I didn't realize about Kathleen Hanna. He mm-hmm. even says Kathleen in the song. Yep. But when I looked it up, there's an El Tigre song on their first record. It's called Decepticon. 
And when you're reading about it, everyone says it's a diss and like a response to this song. Mm -hmm. There's literally one line in the bridge about linoleum, something like, I'll walk all over you. The rest of the song sounds like it has nothing to do with Fat Mike or no effects. Like I would, the loosest of a a response. Yeah. Because really like when I started looking it up, everyone's like, oh yeah, Kathleen wrote this song later on. There's a line, like not even the beginning, we're talking like the bridge, like three minutes in, it's like one line. So I yep. don't I don't know that I would count that so much as a, you know, an entire I think Fat Mike might have spent more time singing about her yeah. than, than she did in the response. This is one of my skip songs. Yeah. I think it's just uh, I feel like like it's a little bit misled. I can you see that. You know what that. I mean? Yeah. Like I this song is polarizing. By any by all means, I would say this would be a polarizing song on the record. It, it definitely doesn't stand the test of time. No. Um, he he literally says, "Just because I don't know the reason you're so pissed, don't dare tag me misogynist." Like <laughs> that's like that's like the the naive straight white guy equivalent of. All lives matter. <laughs> That's like, Fat Mike doing it in song. Like, like maybe you're kind of missing the point. You know what I <laughs> yeah. mean? Like, oh, this song. I mean, by all means, you kind of <laughs> and, and it is funny because this is a 25 year old record. I don't know what it seemed like at the time, but I mean, yeah. By I mean, I got into this album like 2010 was mm-hmm. when I first heard this. I mean, even by then, you're kind of like, oh, I could see this rubbing people the wrong way. I'd see mm-hmm. this a little like maybe this isn't the best aging song yeah you know what i mean like another one where context at the time and i don't know because again i i wasn't i you were like 11 i was like i was born 90 i was five so i had no (laughs) i had no clue yeah i I don't know who bikini kill or no effects are yeah i don't know any of this i'm five just give me some juice and take me to school yeah Yeah. when i was five that wasn't what i was listening to yeah yeah um yeah i just think i i think that it's just uh it doesn't really hold up, and I think that there were probably a lot of bands that had um, maybe not necessarily similar lyrics, but uh, still like kind of misled lyrics. Even like yeah. the RX Bandit's first album, um, t- kind of like weird choices that were like common with the theme of of the time yeah. where like you could you could t- talk about women like that and yeah. like you could kind of like be just this ignorant disrespectful person and have no consequences and it and it sounds like <laughs> somebody was trying to like um you know stand up to him and he wrote this like this rhetorical song yeah t- towards her and um yeah, I don't think I don't think that this this one wins. Yeah. Well, you know? the other weird thing is you say that is again going back to like the backstory of it. I mean, it is like like if that's all it took for him to write this, like just she wasn't that nice to him. You know what I mean? Like when you start yeah. thinking about it, it is weird that he. I mean, because again, like I mentioned too, she had like a line in Decepticon, which I mean, also it doesn't even name him. If you didn't know no effects for the song Linoleum, yeah. you didn't even know what she's referencing. Well, Whereas this one, he kind of wrote the whole lyrics about, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. he did write a lot. It's not like it's like one line. It's the whole song. Yeah. But, I mean, do you really think that she's going to 
like even care to get in a dick measuring contest with Fat yeah. Mike, you yeah, know, I mean, you almost think, I mean, that's the other thing is you almost wonder, I guess the other side of Fat Mike and I don't, I don't know, I guess it depends uh, where, it probably also depends the time. I'm sure he goes back and forth, but like sometimes you wonder if he wants that reaction out of people too, if that's what he yeah. wanted out of that was more of a response. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, cause sometimes I think he's responding to other things. This, you almost wonder if he's antagonizing. I think, yeah, I think, I think maybe he was, but I think also he's. Uh, I think that he's a lot more like um, sensitive than he lets on. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Oh, I think that's probably like, true. Uh, especially with um, the response to the new the new No Effects album and him like going going out of his way to like be so appreciate appreciative of everybody who you know had high praise about the album and everything. It I would it too. sounded like it sounded like like he he probably it would be a little bit more sensitive if if people had some like criticisms of the album he's very much a person who is as critical as he is of other people i i think he takes like people who shit on the band and were critical of them i think he takes that to heart a little more. definitely personal even the even at the end of this album that that little howard stern clip yeah of them tearing them apart it is on there as a joke but at the same time, yep. I'm sure that kind of hurt. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because I don't care what they say about not wanting to be on MTV and this and that. There's also a side of them where I think they just knew they wouldn't be. Yep. There's that side of the self-deprecation stuff, no effects, where it is a defense mechanism in some ways. Yep. To be to say you're bad before anyone else can. Yeah. You know what I mean? To be like we're the best, we're the worst band on the bill. Yep. These songs are awful. We can't like to do that, there that is a defense mechanism at times. Absolutely, yeah. You know what I yeah. mean? So I do think that with Fat Mike, as outward, outwardly spoken as he is, I do think he's someone where, when criticized, I, I think his reaction's probably a little different. Yeah. I don't think he's someone you could just go up to and, like, that sucks. Like, I think he would, which rightfully so, but yeah. he's not just going to be cool about something just because right. he's cool. Like, he'll right. talk trash on other people. Right. Right. It is unfortunate about the song lyrically because musically, I really like the music to it. Yeah. I think the song musically is like, it's classic no effects, but also has a vibe to where they're going next, I think. Yeah. If you just listen to the music, not the lyrics, yep. but just listen yep. to the music, it is kind of a, I, I feel like it's a little bit of what they were doing later on. Even that beginning, yep. just from, I can't think of what song it is. But that beginning reminds me of something off like uh, Wolves and Wolves Clothing. Or what the hell is that? Is it Wolves, yeah, and, Wolves, Wolves and Wolves Clothing? Yeah, like that record. Like that opening riff and stuff. Mm-hmm. That reminds me of like something off there. Mm-hmm. So like I don't know. Musically, I like, it's another one though. It's pretty damn short. Yep. But um, this one They too, just had something to say and they just. Yeah, it's just kind of yeah. in and out like like real quick. It, uh, yeah, it. I always like. This record, too, that snare roll, like I was talking about with Smelly, like on this one, too, there's that snare roll at nine seconds in, right as it breaks in, where it's just another one. He's mm-hmm. so, like, he's so good at breaking in from intro to verse on this album. I think a lot of it is his drums. Yeah. It's when they come in, It's he'll do something like that, and just the song, it, it pushes it to that next part. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely the backbone of the band. Yes. For sure. I think that, and funny enough, I never thought of how much uh, El Jefe's trumpet on this album. There's parts of it where I go, wow, that's a big part. Like, in ways where mm-hmm. I was always kind of like, ah, it's on there, but, like, just an afterthought almost. Or it's like, no, not really. Like, if you removed it, it would lose a lot of its, like, 
the song would lose a lot of what makes it really good. Yeah. It like yeah. pushes it along more. Like again, he's a better trumpet player than even I think of sometimes. Right. I forget about right. it and I go, damn, that's a good performance. Like I don't know much about trumpets, but I can go, I like what he's doing. Yeah. Like it sounds good to me. Yeah. He's definitely uh I I would say I would say the best musician of the band. I think that's probably yeah. true. I think that's a good that's probably um, true. On this one, actually, this this next one, if, unless you got anything else on this one, uh-uh. should we move uh-huh. on? This, uh, I mean, talking about staple no effect songs too. Track twelve, "Eat the Meek." Um, this is this is one of my favorite songs on the album, and I like I, I'll probably sound like a poser, but it is one of my favorite no effect songs. I feel like it's uh, like it's one of the ones that go to like that people I feel like know, but I'm like I don't know. This song's never lost its like. Like, I've always liked this song a lot, and I've never, like, stopped liking it in that way. It's never, yeah, like, yeah. worn its course with me. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of on the longer side. It's the longest it's, song on the record. Yeah. It's the longest song. Um, I like the, um, like the remix from the 45 or 46 songs that's on there. It's, like, a little bit more kind of, like, dub influenced oh, yeah, and stuff. Yeah. Um, but... Yeah, I mean, like this this one just kind of like it it has that that slow build where it's almost like for the live show. You know what I it's mean? It's a live staple, and I think the other thing that makes it so good live is they're not really a band who I feel like plays around with their songs live a lot. Like I feel like for the most part they'll stick to them. That's a song you can, including that beginning. Like it's made for them to like throw little things on, like. I feel mm-hmm. like, because actually not even feel like, I've seen them do it, and that is a song they can change up live. And you can yep. see them do it a few times. They'll do something a little different. Yeah. You know, each yeah. time. Where, like, a lot of songs you can't, they're not changing up, like, the beginning of Linoleum and stuff. Like, the intros aren't really made for that. This one, I feel like, just that intro and the way it is, like, you know, El Jefe, he can go on and he can play something. Like, he can almost do a trumpet solo, and he yep. can kind of change it up a little. Or, like, they can throw this and that, this or that in. One, actually, a really good live performance, which I had forgotten about until getting ready for this. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but they did the, there's a 15th anniversary of the Warp Tour, and they did a version of this with Angelo from Fishbone, and Angelo also mm. played, he played saxophone on it, and he was mm. singing, but, like, it's even more, actually, you probably like it, because I would almost say they go more, even more into the, like, it doesn't pick up so much. This one's almost more kind of keeps that tempo and pace the whole time. Yep. And El Jefe sings the verse. Like, he sings, yep. like, the whole thing. It's not Mike, – yep. Mike jumps in for, like, some backing vocals. Mm-hmm. But it's like El Jefe, like, shines. Because, like, again, like, the trumpet in the beginning is really, really good with Angelo's uh, – with saxophone. You got those two horns going. And then El Jefe just kills that whole song vocally. And then Angelo comes in. He does parts of it. And uh, it's funny, I was reading some of the comments, but they're right. They're like, the look on El Jefe's face was, he, he was so surprised because someone was finally singing in key to yeah. no effects. And it was because Angelo, like, it puts it in another level because he's singing those lyrics. But, like, you know, as much as we're talking about the uniqueness of Fat Mike, still, yeah. you know, this song just has such a, there's just so much more emotion. I shouldn't say there's not emotion in the in the studio recording, but there's just a different kind of emotion when Angelo's singing it versus Fat Mike. Right. It's right. one of it's truly I'd forgotten about this version, but I would tell you and anyone else listening, 
to go look up that version on YouTube. It is re- it's from 09. Yeah. It's like the best version I've ever seen him do it live. I've I've probably seen it, but I'll definitely have to check it it's out again. It's really it's mm-hmm. like I'm not I'm I can't stress it enough. And I mean there it's always fun live. I've seen him do it live, but that one in particular stands out. Like that's one that's worth going in. Yeah. Like looking at. This is absolutely like a, a, definitely a classic no effect song. Like you wouldn't really I I think at the time not really recognizing like how much this song is going to like stand out in it's their set. It's buried in track 12. Like it's right. not really, it almost feels like it's not an afterthought, but like it's just kind of thrown in there. Yeah. Like uh, I, I feel like there's, there's certain things that were like certain songs that were almost like kind of like palate cleansers or like um, just kind of hitting the reset button. And I feel like this one was kind of, was like that that kind of like intermission. Like they sandwich okay. it in between two pretty fast songs, right? Like right. they do that a couple times on here, where you will get like, including on the second half, you'll get a fast song, a little slower, like yep. mid tempo, and then back to fast. Yep, they'll do that. They do that a, a decent amount here, which does work because I think this is like such an amazingly sequenced record. Like yeah. everything flows so well to get, which is also why I said even the tracks that I don't love. They still they don't break up. That's why I don't right, hate them. Right. They don't break up the sequencing. Yeah. It all flows really well. Yep. Like no matter what the song is, there's never a part where I really think there's too big of a lull sequencing. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, this one this one definitely like fits fits in there, and I think that like that this is like another another reason why I feel like this album is a is a more appropriate sequel to. Or follow up to Punk and Drublick because they were kind of like testing these waters yeah. on that album, and like this is kind of like them pushing it to the next level and going like the full kind of like reggae kind of style. I don't think of it now because like it, it really is. We've talked about this album is kind of a bridge for them and like things that would come later. But you are right; they're taking chances on this record where at the time is kind of new for them now. If you look at it in the context, it's not as weird. Like, like I'd heard a bunch of no effects records before hearing this one. Yeah. So nothing really, you know what I mean? I don't feel like I was taken by it so much. Yeah. But if you had heard like older no effects and then you heard this album, like, you know, they are doing, they are trying different things. Yeah. Like you are right. This is them testing waters. Mm-hmm. You know, like I don't, I, even this song, I don't think is that weird now because it's a live staple and everything. Right. At the time, it is kind of like, whoa, what's this? Yeah. Even in that album, even listening to that record, yep. like, whoa, you hear, you know, you hear the song before this and now this, like, totally different. Yeah. yeah. And it, it is funny because, like, No Effects doesn't have singles, but if you were making a No Effects greatest hits, like, this is on there. Yeah. Like, it ha- it's one of those, it's funny because, like, it's, there's certain bands who don't really have singles or hits, but you just know, like, everyone can agree, even though it's not really like, you know, maybe it wasn't on like a chart or anything like that, but just all fans know like, oh, that song is the hit or that song, you know. Yeah. Like if you were compiling that greatest hits, it's on there with Linoleum and like probably, the, I mean, even The Decline, which is weird right. to say, but that might be on there. Well, you could also make make an entire entirely different list of no effects best ska songs and this <laughs> would like great. be the last song on the album you know what i mean this would be the closer props to them too because like it's ska but they also throw that reggae in there too they yep. do like on eat the meek like they do go 
like there's a little ska, but it's also very reggae. Like mm-hmm. they go even further back than ska. You know what I mean? Like because yeah. a couple times you are you're like, oh, they're kind of making fun of third wave ska. Where this one you're like, nah, like this is like, yeah, you can tell like, which is another reason why it's so good live because they have. Not on here, but live they have the keys and stuff too. Uh huh. They have what I can't. Karina. Think yeah, Karina mm-hmm. playing keys. So it's like you kind of had that. Which this song's perfect for that. Yeah. You yeah. know, like this song just all Needs of it that together. keyboard kind of element in there. Dude, that's what I'm telling you. Because and it actually, funny enough, she's not playing keys in that in that Warp Tour performance. But some I can't remember who is. I think it's one of their roadies. It's one of the dudes I remember from Backstage Passport. I think he was limo. Limo's playing. Yeah. Limo's playing in it. But, like, it sounds so good with trumpet, sax, and then you have that going on. Yep. Like, it's such a good, like, again, the punk side of that song, almost all of it's taken out. Like, yeah. in, the, in this version, which is funny because it's for Warp Tour, and it's, like, the least punk version you've ever heard of this song. Like, even the speeding up at the end, they really, it doesn't really do it. Right. It's uh, I don't know this song. This song's fun. Live wise, it is it is a fun song to play on bass. It's one I always like. If I'm playing around on bass, it, it's fun to like. Especially that that part, the do 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 do. Yes, that's what I like too. Because like you can kind of pick it up, uh-huh. but like it, which is funny because Scott. It spe- yeah, it, and and I like I like that it builds yeah. to the end. Um, but at the same time, it builds, but it never has this full. Yeah. Which I also appreciate that. There's not this full-out explosion. Right. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. It builds, but there's not this grand finale of, like, feedback and just, re- you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't all fall apart or right. anything like that. Like, sometimes that's the buildup, like an explosion. And that explosion doesn't really happen. Yeah. You yeah. Know what I mean? Even it ends on a whimper. It goes uh-huh. back to just the vocals and just the guitar mm-hmm. at the very end. I Yeah, it's just kind of like it's this other element that they um, – they include that kind of make this album so iconic because it it hits on all of these different aspects of the same band and all of these things that this band does well. Yeah, I mean, because, I mean, even lyrically, great song lyrically. It's like, this is the same band who wrote Murder the Government, like, eight eight songs prior to this. It's the same band. Uh You know what I mean? And, like, that's a smart song about, you know, like, I mean, I feel like it's about human greed and, like, overconsumption and just, Uh you know, just the the world in general and the bad things that humans do to it. Right. You know, that that thought of us destroying the planet, basically. That's kind of how I look at it. And maybe, I mean, maybe there was some, some aspect to, like, them wanting to sing this this kind of sincere song but do it in this like tongue-in-cheek way where they had to like hide it in this reggae song that's a good point i never thought of that taking on a different kind of personality while they're that's a great fitting that message in there you know i've never thought of that as a really good point yeah because it is it's it's i mean because again it's it's no effects doing something pretty different Right. You know what I mean? It is very different for them. And even just that, why must we stay where we don't belong? You know, that kind of stuff. You're right. Like, you're almost doing it in this way where it is sincere, but you can't just be outwardly sincere. So you got to right. do you it. You got to have, way. like, Al Hefe sing it falsetto. Yeah. And like, you know. But it's hilarious because then it ends up also, like, again, I think it translates so well live that. A lot of times it come out beautiful, but it can also be this kind of funny. Well, it also depends how drunk they are. Because, yeah. I mean, if they're trashed on stage, it could be hilarious with him up there with the trumpet yep. just messing around. Yeah. But, like, when he wants to, like, El Jefe is so much of what makes this song. Just between yeah. the trumpet and those choruses. Yeah. Or, I mean, yeah, the choruses. And then live, he does the verses, too, I think, most of the yeah, time. Yeah, he does. So, like, all of that, which is funny because that bass isn't that hard on that one. That one I feel like he could sing and play bass. But I guess not. 
It's still it's still got that kind of like plunky bum, off. Bum, da, da, yeah, bum, yeah. Bum. It's hard know. to do. I it's can't talk do. trash. Tricky. I've never played Eat the Meek live playing yeah. bass and singing. Yeah. I'm just trash talking now. Yeah. But yeah, funny enough, that's the longest song on the album. It's like three minutes. It's like three something, I think. Yeah. And that's yeah. the long. That's the ballad of yep. the record. Keep it tight. Yep. But uh, shall we? Shall we move on? We have but yeah. a few left. Yep. And this song, track thirteen, the desperation's gone. I want to ask you. So this... so okay. All right. Yeah. Desperation. I was thinking of the the instrumental was before this, but it's after this. No, we'll get to that yeah. one. I don't have great things to say. About it. Yeah. I'll give you a little spoiler. We'll, don't love it. We'll just but touch on it quickly. This yeah. this one. I don't know about you, but I think, and mostly, I think it's the intro. But this song would have fit on Punk and Drublick. And I almost think it might have fit better on Punk and Drublick. It's not a bad song, mm-hmm. but it very much reminds me of older notes. Like, it, it feels like, like, if I was thinking about it and I thought that they wrote songs during, like, a so long and thanks for all the shoes, like, set, like, there's that era. And maybe they wrote songs for this record in between that. I feel like this could have been written, this was a holdout from, like, the older batch of songs they'd written. That's how I feel about this one. Yeah, maybe. Um, I, this is one of my favorite no effect songs. It is a Um, good song. This is, um, one of the songs that is like, this is probably my favorite no effects bass song to play. Um, I did a cover of this song on one of my acoustic EPs. Like I, I I don't have enough good things to say about this song. <laughs> it's a great song. It's it's got a, a killer bass line. It's got a cool intro that just kind of like builds and builds. And then and and so if you if you take this song, this is kind of like a, a view in into my world and my songwriting process. But if you if you take this song, the structure of this song, um and you compare it to the first song on my Fever Dream EP, where it's this oh yeah, bass, I'm thinking about it now. This this bass line comes in, and then like the this. drums kind of come in, and it's like this intro that builds, and then boom, the vocals come in, the whole band comes in. Like a lot of what I do is kind of like it's modeled after like how good this song is and you know i'm not saying that i do anything that like even compares to like what no effects does or has done but um this is definitely like a super effective in my opinion no effects song that's that's just kind of like got everything that you want it's got the it's got the big harmonies it's got the energy it's got the stops and then the punch back in. Um, this one, I feel like if you were to see it live, you would have no choice but to like jump into the pit as soon as oh, the vocals start. In. You know, um, the lyrics are like perfect. I like. I I don't know. I mean, I I don't have anything bad to say about this song. It's a really good one. I still feel like though. It's on, and maybe maybe in a good way you could place it. I do say punk and drublick, but like it has that. It just has like like you're saying like classic no effects where like it has a lot of those things like that you think of when you think of them. Yeah. But I do I think the intro is the biggest part. Is that intro reminds me of like 
older no effects. Yeah. With those longer, kind of more longer build up intros. Yeah. Because again, on this record, you don't, I mean, this, this, I mean, I don't, I don't know how long it takes to get out of that intro, but that intro is almost as long as it's some of minute. the songs on the, it's yeah. It's a minute. Murder yeah. the Government's not a minute long. Yep. You know what I mean? So it's like when you think of it that way, it's like this album's not full of build up intros. Right. It's not really right. happening. What's funny about that too, what I noticed, is that they put on this record the two longest songs next to each other, the, the uh-huh. Eat the Meek and the Desperation's Gone, and then the two shortest songs next to each other. Yeah. Which is kind of interesting. I would almost, which obviously it worked, but I would think that it would have made, before that, like if I was putting an album together, I would almost think you'd want to space those out. But it's kind of interesting that it's, you know, on this, it's not that way. I think that, I think that it's possible that, that sequencing wise, they did it because of the the flow of the songs and the the way that the last the last note rings out and the first note comes in being able to like flow as kind of one cohesive more of that than the actual time thing it's not like they just yeah i see what you're saying i i think i think that it's possible that it's more of that than than just like well, we got to have this is a long song, so we have to put it here, and this is a uh, short no, song. No. We got to put this yeah, here. I see what you're saying. Yeah, it is interesting though that they, that it works that way because mm-hmm. they do again. It's sequenced well. Like I wouldn't move its placement, but it is interesting that you have. I mean, you think of how short those songs are, and then these these two songs back to back are like five minutes, six minutes all together. Yeah, for a 33 minute album. That's a decent chunk of time. Right. Yeah. That's a good. That's a good amount of. You get through like the first five tracks in that amount of time. Right. You think right. About it. Yeah. Um, th- this song, I think, also like um, this. This is like kind of. Uh, this is kind of like a, a preview into like separation of church and state territory. I can see that lyrically. Yeah. Um, and. I think that it's it's just like this this commentary on like punk rock and the industry and all of this stuff and and but also written in this like the first verse in this like poetic way that yeah. I think just like really works and you don't you don't really notice the um you don't really notice like the message you just kind of like hear hear and almost visualize these these like descriptive words you know a mixture of puke beer stale piss you know (laughs) like you're just kind of like in a dingy club or you know house show or something like that Uh. it's like yeah i mean it's it's kind of like it's really poetic you know like and and it's another great example of like storytelling but mixed with this message that he's also trying to convey it's not just yeah. like full outright like storytelling and poetry it's it's also like the the message that he's kind of continued on um throughout some of the earlier songs too it ba- it's such a balance that again they do so well because you have to balance all these different things you know again they're whether musically or lyrically they jump around they're yeah. not one-dimensional but again, it doesn't sound like just just a bunch of crap thrown together. Yeah, it all works amazingly, like well thought out. Like it's not, it's all threaded together and meticulous and well thought out. But like, it's not just them throwing all these ideas together. It's yep. really putting it together and making it cohesive in a way that 
maybe they tried earlier on but got much better at. And this is kind yep. of, again, where it's like they're starting to get good at that. Yeah. You know, maybe yeah. they attempted a little before, but this is the record where they're getting good at it. You know? Yep, yep. And it, do, it does really set up, like, the next act of their career, you know. Yeah, yeah, that. for sure. That that just kind of, like, punch-in-the-face, fast songwriting that they that they kind of, like, perfected here, I think. It's funny that this, you know, with it being on Epitaph, too, because I think even sound-wise, I always think of this as a fat record because, I mean, obviously, no effects, you think of fat records, but... I always associate like that, lit, like pump up the volume and stuff with fat, like that mm-hmm. era. And this one always makes me think of that, where I just, for some reason, the sound of it makes me go, oh, this is when they moved to fat. Yeah. And it's no, not. No, pump up the volume was, was on Epitaph, too. Oh, oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, God. See, I, the seven inches and stuff were on fat, right? They yeah. were releasing that yep. stuff, but all studio albums were Epitaph. Yep. Up until, Wow. That was quite a while there on Epitaph. I think War on Errorism was there first. That's That was. Fat. War on Errorism. I was just trying, as you were talking about that, I was trying to think of what album it was, and you're right, it is War on Errorism. Wow, mm-hmm. yeah, that's like 04. Yeah. But, uh, Took him a while. Yeah, you're not kidding. He didn't, Mr. Brett didn't want to get him out of, that, out of that contract, probably. I doubt that they had a contract. Oh, do you think they just did that know. on just, they, they were treated well there? It, and just, yeah, I think it just I, it yeah, I guess that's not them. crazy. You know, they were friends. Yeah, that's probably not so much like a major label issue where it's like, oh, we signed yeah. an eight album deal. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know that they that they. But that's a good point. It's that. probably not a contention like I, I'm I'm saying it is. Yeah, especially not at that that point too, because they. I mean, S and M Airlines was on Epitaph. Oh, you know what I mean? Oh, like a good chunk of their their so, uh, catalog. Yeah, it was on Epitaph. If anything, they would are they had already like completed some kind of deal it was probably true, just yeah. just record to record or maybe two or three or something it's like a good that. testament to epitaph I don't know. that you're not gonna move over to your own label yeah like I that mean, you got to be treated pretty well there yeah or they just like it maybe it was an awkward thing and it would they just like never <laughs> wanted true. to say it that just like went on for 10 years i know <laughs> i know like, we ripped off bad religion a lot and we feel obligated so maybe we don't they're want our to. friends like it's gonna be a really yeah. weird conversation so let's that is true it on epitaph that, again that is, that is true but <laughs> yeah. i mean really some of their best records are on epitaph yeah but um, anything else for this one? I don't think so all right we got a few more yeah i mean i already said track 14 flossing a dead horse I, it's funny, anytime I do these these like album dissections with people, any album that has an instrumental, I don't think I've heard one yet where I go, that that I needed that in the album. Yeah. It's yeah. never by bands who need to do an instrumental. They're, they don't need to do an instrumental. I, it, it was unnecessary. The only thing I can say about this song is that it maybe belongs on White Trash. Like, I could see that. There there was something where he's he started getting into like these these kind of like jazzy bass lines in the 90s. This song has that and, vibe. And um, they, uh, I, I think that it's just something that they thought was like funny. And That's they just all put I can on think. Because it's just like with the, yeah. it goes back, because honestly, musically, it doesn't sound too different from the French cover. And like, right. it's, it's just like, it's an instrumental almost at the very there's two songs left like yeah. it's just thrown as track 14 like it's very I don't know and it's another one where it's like I mean it, I don't I don't even have anything terrible to say about it musically where it's like it's fine I don't yeah. hate it but it's like this didn't need to be on the record by any means it's not 
I, I don't skip it, but if I was going to skip a song, this would probably be it. It's yeah. just like, again, yep. what's the use of this? Yeah. Like it's all, just all, kind of like a palate cleanser or something like that. Honestly, what I think it is is an instrumental they wrote that they couldn't think of any lyrics for. That's all. I, I hear this song, just like most bands who do yeah. instrumentals who are like punk bands, I just go, this was a song you couldn't fit a vocal melody through. Mm-hmm. You could, like, it wouldn't fit with the music. So you just, that, like, honestly, that's probably where all that trumpet comes from. Like, the trumpet yeah. is where his vocals would be. Had they finished, you know, had they, yeah. like, actually thought it all the way through? Well, it's kind of like, it reminds me of two songs. It reminds me of the one on, on Punk and Drublick where El Jefe sings, he sings it, and he sings it like that weird, like, and like almost opera kind of sounding oh my song. God, what's, I really like that song. Isn't it the cover? It's actually a cover song. Is it? Perfect. Is it Perfect Government? No, so. I don't think it is that. It's just like a weird little thing, but um, also it reminds me of Wolves and Wolves Clothing, the other song that Hefe sings that um, he sings in Spanish, and the words <laughs> are like about, like, I couldn't think of any words, so I decided to sing these <laughs> in Spanish. That's, that's so no effects. Yeah, yeah. So it's just kind of like they just kind of like do these weird things. That, that's they think the, it's funny. On this record, I mean, they do it all the time, but there's so many parts on this record where I go, like, is was this a joke? Like, because there are. That's their sense of humor where I go, yep. I could see them doing that because yep. they found that funny, you yep. know? But it's like, again, it's like it's not a terrible song, so I can't even say that, like, they're bad playing on it. It's just not, like, what is this? Yep. It could just be thrown on, like, just something else. It there's, didn't need to be here. Well, I mean, coming off of, like, Desperation's Gone, Eat the Meek, following up with, you know, these last two songs. It's like, uh, it's it's fine, but it's not those songs. Here's what know? I will give it. Here's something I wrote down. I will give it a positive before, before we move on. It's, I think one thing it does give you is a chance to hear how good Fat Mike and Smelly can lock in with each other. It gives mm-hmm. you a better chance to hear the rhythm section. Mm-hmm. And a little more at like Mike's bass line. Because Mike is a good bass player. Yep. Like this record, there's a lot of really good moments he has. And best bass tone I think he's had on any record. I love the bass tone on this album. It's the right amount of like punchy where yeah. it cuts through, but also is layered in there in a way where like sometimes it's driving a song and you don't notice it on first listen. Yeah. But then yeah. you start listening and you go, oh, like he. Especially like, in K Hole. Yes. And also, like you're just talking about the desperation's gone with that bass line. I remember the chorus I was listening to, Never Knows Before, how good the drive. It's driving it. The whole time he's driving it. I wonder if he can play that live because that seems like a hard one to play and sing. Mm -hmm. Actually, you did it, didn't you? You said you covered it. Could you play Um, bass and sing? Yeah. Yeah. But could Fat Mike do it? Could he Probably. Yeah, definitely. If I can do it, he definitely (laughs) can do it. Anything anything else for this amazing song? Uh, No. All right, let's move on. We got two left. Number uh, track 15, Court in Session. This song, you brought up, and I got to ask you, you brought up Franco on American earlier. I think this song legit just sounds like, and it came out before it, Mm -hmm. but this song sounds like Franco on American to me. The intro and even that even that melody and nothing seems much more fun. Whatever it is, I can't. I just butchered it. Nothing seems much fun anymore. To yes, me. that one. But he sings it just like Franco. Franco on America. Like he sings it just yeah, like. Yeah, you know course. what? You're right. I never noticed that, but I think that maybe you you hit on a thing where he was like he was 
rewriting court and session and not realizing it and I think put the was. lyrics to Franco on American to it. I think also, um, I feel like Franco, Franco on American is, um, a turning point in no effects. That is them trying to have a single too. I feel like on that song. I, I feel like, I feel like Franco on American was, was him trying to do like, okay, well, I wrote all of these words before I wrote this song, and I need to make them all I see what you're saying. And now it's like something that he does a lot where it's like it it doesn't matter. The lyrics come first. Yeah, it doesn't matter like what what the the song is. I'm going to fit all of these these just words that I decided that you're you on to, to say. You're on to something. This dude. song, I never noticed it. I never noticed it on. But I definitely can can see the Play comparisons. Play them back to back, dude. Yeah. And here's the funny thing. I don't know that it's too much a slip up because if you listen to the beginning of Franco on American, it goes into like that, like the guitar line or whatever comes after. Because I listen to them back to back. I feel like they did it because it's the only thing that breaks them up enough yep. where it gets your mind. Because... They sound similar for a minute in the beginning, but then that intro in Franco-American starts where it changes a little. And then it goes back to sounding like in the verses. Yep. But putting that there makes it just, you know what I'm saying? It makes yep. it just different enough where I think they had to know <laughs> that it was yeah. just a chord and session redone. I think maybe at that point they were like, well, we've, we've done a lot of stuff, so we're probably going to rehash some of this stuff in the same vein that... It's my job to keep punk rock elite is is a abridged version of linoleum. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like we're we're kind of like going over the same stuff, but here's how we're going to evolve it and and change it. In his defense, too, you write the way you write. So yeah. eventually, including when you're a band that long. You're going to start without, like, this one I think was on purpose, but, like, there are times where you probably rip yourself off without realizing it. Yeah, Because that's just how you write. Yep. Like, you don't realize that because you write melodies a certain way or you you, you do a certain kind of chord progression where eventually yeah. you're probably going to hit on again. But that's why that's why he, he, you know, always tries to go out of his way to, like, do chord progressions that are, like, 15 chords in a row with no, like, repeating <laughs> it is, notes. That makes it easier not to rip yeah. yourself off. Yeah. That makes sense. That's a good way not to After not like to do thirty that. years. You have to do that. <laughs> yeah, you got to figure like, that here's out. Here's 20 chords that never repeat. They, uh, yeah, like I, I don't know this song. I don't feel like it's anything super special. It's a fun song. Uh huh. It's not mid tempo. It's mid tempo. You know? I think it works in its placement though too. I don't think it like I like where it's at. Like I do think it's a good one to go into the final song. Yes. Um, like it, it works where it's sitting at. But um, it's another one, though, too, I wrote. For being a minute and 38 seconds, I can't believe how realized these songs are. Like, yeah. again, I listen to this album not thinking of how short. You know who else was good at that? Mixtapes. Mixtapes would write songs where I would forget how short they were. Yeah. Because they actually would, a lot of them, have, like, it was a fully realized song, like, structurally. But they basically just cut out filler, anything yep. they didn't need. You know, if if the intro should be eight measures, it's only four measures. You yep. know, kind of that that kind of thing. Yeah. You know, and I, I think this is another song where I go, I always forget how short it is, and that's to their credit. Mm-hmm. That a minute thirty eight, I'm listening to it like it's a three minute song. Like, yeah. You know, I mean that's yeah. that's not bad. And also, I mean, we're talking about being young and not having an attention span, but I still like a record that's like when I look at that. 
like I'm telling you, like looking at the track time on this versus like uh, Heavy Petting Zoo, I'm like I would much rather the album with more songs and it's shorter. Yeah. I'm just into yeah. that. I'm yeah. j- I just like that more. You leave them wanting more than wanting less. That's a good point. Yeah. That is because there's so many albums and stuff where I go, I don't need like I'm not a big intro guy. Some intros mm-hmm. I like, but I don't like that big old build up. Like you don't need a three minute long intro most mm-hmm. of the time. Yeah. Very rarely do I like that. So I am with you there. I'd rather long for more than go. I don't need. Like this yep. should have been over a minute ago. Yeah, there are because you can do that. It's very easy to do that. Yeah, it is funny that this song. I mean, it's kind of making fun of sobriety in a way, but like, it does. When you think of pump up the volume, and again later on, that he talks more about you know he just gets more into drug use and alcohol abuse and stuff. It is kind of a funny song when you when you yeah. look at like what comes later. I I definitely like um, being sober now. I definitely like. I listen to this song differently than <laughs> this is probably what is you're older you yeah. understand it more yeah because yeah. you gotta think he's about 30 at this so it's like mm-hmm. it goes into that place where i mean there's still that youthfulness of no effects but it's like he's been around you know what i mean like he's he's not as young as probably the people listening to this record yeah so there are that sides of he still has that juvenile fun thing that he can it's like blink 182 you may not be 16 but you can still like lock into that you know what i mean you still yeah you can do that you can still connect with what a 16 year old connects with which not everyone can do so i mean not not particularly a bad thing but still you do have that side of you like a 16 year old versus you are 30 and again you've seen shit you know people you know where you start writing things like dad's yeah. bad news yep or a song like court and session Right. You know, right. like you're not thinking of these things at 16. You are getting drunk and doing stupid things. Yeah. It's like now you're like 30 and you're thinking about your life and maybe I do want to live longer than 40. Like yeah. things like that come into play. And, you know, it's a it is an interesting song again on an album that goes back and forth. Yeah. But I do think that this will. is I do think that this is this is kind of like tongue in cheek, too. Yeah. You know, oh, I no, that, it's not even a pro sobriety song as much as it's kind of like life is boring now. Like, it goes back and forth. Yeah. And, like, who knows, like, what the stage even was that made him write this song. I think he just wasn't drinking because this, was, is, this is the start of pills and stuff for him. Right. I, I, I don't even know. Like, it could have just been, like, he just didn't drink for two weeks and wrote this song. And then, like, went back is. to drinking. No, you know? that's, that is exactly what I think it is. I don't think this was a big... Because if you listen to him talk, he didn't get in. I mean, he drank and stuff, but he wasn't getting into pills and stuff until his 30s. So yep. this is about age 30. This is him starting to dabble in that. So, yeah, I think I could totally see this being a song written after not drinking for two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. I, I could totally see that. But, um, yeah, I uh, I like the song, but, again, not – I mean, nothing uh, – it might be another one where I think you could throw this on a couple no effects records and it would still work. Like it's just it's interchangeable. It's not a bad song, but it's not the defining. Like Eat the Meek would sound odd on Punk and Drublick. I don't yeah. think it would work on there. Yep. It works on the album it's on. This song, you kind of move around. I think this one would fit on Punk and Drublick, but I also think it would fit on Heavy Petting Zoo too. I think it would make Heavy Petting Zoo better. Actually, I would put this on Heavy Petting Zoo because it'd make me like Heavy Petting Zoo I, more. I think uh, the verses. Make me think heavy petting zoo. I think the chorus makes me think pumpkin drublick. Ooh, yeah. I don't know what makes I, no, me. no, I see what you're saying. That's why I like doing this. You make me think I've never, it's like dissecting these things in ways I've never thought of before, but like you're yeah. absolutely right. But uh, anything else for this one, or shall we move on to the final 
This was a long yeah. record. This is yeah. 16 songs. Yeah. But does move faster than a lot of albums that are 16 songs. It does. Because most albums, when I see, including this was a time when bands would do long albums, a lot of them you lose interest about middle through, and sometimes it picks up at the end. Yeah. This one actually keeps your attention, but it's yeah. also because it's very short songs. Right. But album or song 16, Falling in Love, which is also a funny song title. <laughs> When you think, yeah. of the, I guess funny. Yeah. I don't. I don't know that it's funny, but it does work with the uh, with the lyrical content. I think it's a good album closer. I think this does again, like with sequencing and stuff. I think it fits perfect where it's at. It's not in a in the. This is where albums are good. In the grand scheme of albums, I think it works great where it's at. In the grand scheme of no effects songs, I don't think of it often. I think that this. I, I think for me, this this might be my best my favorite no effects song oh damn dude yeah yeah oh wow yeah i i love every every part of this song and i think what makes it so good is the fact that it's um so short oh it's extremely short and if you take that intro out it's like (laughs) it's like a minute something yeah so um i think I think that's just what what works for it. What it does well, it tells this story, um, really this really short. heartfelt story. And literally, there's there's like, t- I mean, it two two sh- super short paragraphs. Um, there's I don't know if you could even call it a chorus. <laughs> it's just not our love repeated. Oh like, yeah, as the outro. But not really a chorus. That's that's as close as you'll get a chorus for no effects. No <laughs> solos. We're at song 16. There still hasn't the been a guitar song. solo in this album yet. Damn, dude. Well, I don't know if you noticed that. I didn't. I really didn't. Yeah. But you're totally right. What did you say earlier? Embellishes. That's probably the best way to put it. Embellishments. There's yep. embellishments throughout. There yep. is riffage, but it's not a sol- there's not solos. Mm-mm. That's nope. a great point. It took me 25 years to realize that. Oh, so you, I realized that oh, today. Okay. Oh, okay. So you're not. So I'm not totally lost. This no. was oh, okay. No. So that's why I love dissecting these. It's things you would never think of before. Uh huh. It's just. It's not. Even Smelly's drumming on this one is what I was thinking about. With double, with, if he played a double kick pedal, because this song particularly, he's doing yep. like breakneck speed. And if you listen to that rhythm, yep. he's doing. He's like doubling his kick pedal. And it's so it's, it's it's so effective too, especially at the beginning of the song after the after the intro. Um, it's drums, the bass, like just yeah. snarling over the drums and the vocals, and the guitars like feeding back and swelling, and then boom, come into this instrumental part where the guitars, if you if you're listening to it in headphones. They're kind of like like working their way, like harmonizing with each other and kind of like walking around and like whether you can call that a solo or not, like it's not really it's it's more of like like this this harmonizing riff yeah. that's like accompanying the other guitar part. And yeah. um this song just like does that really well where where it really shines on the the two guitars playing off of each other and the the bass and the drum just kind of like keeping that backbone 
and keeping the song at that super fast pace, yeah. um, then you have this the second verse come in. You have these these incredible harmonies kind of like accompanying it, and then this this awesome outro where everybody's harmony harmonizing like the the whole band is playing and then it just kind of like ends on a major note yeah you're right it does doesn't and it? just kind of like rings out into silence like I, and and in such a short time it's li- it's literally just like two verses well you're right if you took that outro out you're looking at like because I, I looked at it because i was trying to figure out because because there's that you know the the hidden like stuff at the end on the CD it says it's like five something minutes or whatever but it's yeah. really only like I think it was like 203 or something yeah. like that so yeah. if you and that's like an a full long. that's like a full minute intro too. Yeah. yeah so you take that out that's a really really short song and the intro is cool it's like it's like one of those like last track it's very much like a final you wouldn't have that things. in the like middle of the album yeah that you track got him, is very there. You got like Fat Mike kind of like talking over the. I can't lo-fi. tell what he's saying, but yeah, he's like, he's like, oh, the recording. It sounds like we're in the living room or something. <laughs> no, it's perfect. <laughs> it's like, like a high pass filter. What I, is it? A high pass filter? It's one of those. It takes like all the low end out. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like it's coming through really tinny headphones almost. Yep. Like if you were walking by someone and you heard. And them. who knows? Maybe it's not even a filter. Maybe that was just like. Uh, somebody was recording something out maybe somebody was like recording it like as they were recording like the actual version yeah. and they like picked like the lo-fi like you know unofficial kind of like cut see I love whatever. that stuff because you really don't know yeah. if that was studio like if they purposely like placed that in or if that was like just a happy accident that like oh that yeah. was recording here like we got that yep but I think it's just I think it's really effective. I think that I yeah. think that intro is like it's like that it's like the perfect like 90s kind of like vibe. <laughs> and then it like cuts into dun 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 so like the whole band comes in and like it's like really triumphant. I think it's like I love the change from there into the actual and then and then super fast song and it's this heart these heartbreaking lyrics but it's like with this like really triumphant sounding like intro and then like this really like you know major nice sounding like outro like last note like um it's almost you know and I, sorry to interrupt you but like it's funny because we've been talking about like how there's not fat mike doesn't write happy endings and this and that it's so funny because in a way he does this, but in the most demented of ways. Because it's yeah. like, we're dying, but we love, you know what I mean? Yep. There is still that sense of hope. You're still together. Even when you're dying, you're still, the plane's going down, but we yeah. have each other. And there is that hope. But again, there's hope, but they're they're dying in a plane crash. I heard uh, that at some point, like, this is before they got divorced, but Aaron couldn't listen to this song. Oh, really? Because... Now ex-wife Aaron couldn't listen to this song because it was because of like, I don't know, I guess the nature of the lyrics of the song, because I think that it was it's probably like the most sincere song on this album. Oh, very sincere. Um, 
And so I think, uh, like, I, I don't think that there's any, like, uh, irony in this song no. at all. I, no. And I, I think that, um, I guess, if if there was a song, if I was on an airplane with my wife and I had to write a song, <laughs> this would probably be the one. You know what I mean? Like, and you only have uh, so much time, too, and it's yeah, only, like, eight lines. Yeah. That's- it's like you're not gonna write the decline. It, it's like this this piece of like happiness in an otherwise like horrible and chaotic. He's experiment. finding the silver lining yeah. of the end. Yeah. Of your, like there, we can't do anything. There's no saving each other. Like this yep. is it. We can hold each other's hands yep. and die in this fiery crash, basically. And and talk about like you know like the poetic elements it's and storytelling poetic. in this in this album like this this song definitely like hits at home in just a, sh- a few short lines i think you brought this up on another episode i think when it came out cause it came out a year or two ago but frank turner did this song on that split they did um where he just does an acoustic I, was it you yes. were talking about and it's like it shows you how poetic and storytelling the song is because it's mm-hmm. this chilling, yeah. stripped down version where it's like, oh yeah, like it's a fast punk song, but if you listen to like Fat Mike's lyrics and the chords to it, it's like yep. that's a poetic like no matter how you play it, it doesn't have to be a fast punk song. Yep. Like that song has the if anything, it gives it more me. It makes it even heavier. Yes. Because you can't Absolutely. hide behind the music. You can't yep. You you have to. He forces you to pay attention to lyrics. Yes. You can't listen to like the drum beat and stuff and not think about what he's singing because mm-hmm. it's just him and acoustic guitar. Right. Right. And and he just he kind of like gave it the treatment that the lyrics deserve for sure. Yeah. I think um, it's almost like it's almost like um, re- recreating a movie. Like using the same lines with like, but like with a different director. Like, yeah, it's yeah. uh, I like that. It's gonna have like this completely different feel, and you're gonna like notice all of these things that you never noticed before. That, that makes are, like, sense. Nice about it. And it, but the coolest thing is like you're saying, it's not even like he's adding things so much as just pulling out what was already there. Yes. He's just doing it from a different. It's like a different yep. perspective yep. of the same thing. It's two people looking at the same painting. But seeing yep. something different, yeah. you know what I mean. That's what he does best. It's uh, yeah. I mean, this song, again, it is, it is, a, and I, that, it's not crazy because this is a good song that I, that, but I didn't realize it was like your favorite. But it is, yeah. It's uh, something I thought about, which was funny because I looked up one. I don't think they play it live a lot, but I did look up one that they, that they played recently of this song, and I think they were just off that night because it didn't sound very good. Yeah. But what I was thinking is this song would actually be a good set opener. I think that buildup and everything, I honestly think it's not the first one you'd think about, yeah. but I would lose my shit if they opened with this. I would lose that, my shit if they opened it. <laughs> but played right, because it's yeah. funny, because I watched the video and it kind of squandered that at first, but I'm like, I watched them, like, I think they were just off that night. It They're seemed off more, a lot of It nights. seemed more them, and Mike's voice just didn't, I think his voice wasn't doing well. Like, it just wasn't a great... It wasn't the best performance of it, but I truly think if they gave this song as much energy and like go out there and give it their all, that's a good album or a good set opener. This song is a hard one to sing. I used to play this song acoustic oh, live. I never, oh, I never nice. like 
recorded a version of it but i used to do a cover of this song and out of my my younger sister like do harmonies with me while i was like singing (laughs) because like that that outro is like so effective with like those those harmonies like layered in there so um but this one is a this one's a difficult one to (laughs) sing live that I'll, first I'll give them note, some slack then that that first note for some reason it's just like really hard to like cut in there and and have it be like exactly where it needs to be i don't know if it's because the intro kind of like throws it off but no effects is a hard one to cover again because they do things their own way yeah so it's like to approach it entirely like them you just can't and you can't really fake his voice either like there's That's the some kind of you got to give him people are like he can't yeah. sing but it's like you try it like you try singing like him if he can't sing yeah. there's like, there's some bands that like I, I mean for me that i can uh, like if i were were playing a cover song you could live emulate or it, doing right? like or like doing a karaoke version or something <laughs> i can emulate yeah but not fat mike no and uh i've tried <laughs> you and tried your it's damnedest. not good no I think a lot of people have. And yep. yeah, you just you you would almost sound like you're doing a parody of Fat yep. Mike. That's yep. what it, that's what it would sound like. Yeah. There's a difference between being influenced and then just trying to full on yes. like do and it yep. doesn't. That's probably why that Frank Turner one sounds so good because it's not a punk band which yeah. is funny cuz Rancid did a good job on that split they did with No Effects. There's some good songs on there. But was that, yeah. is that a so-so? Yeah. But like I do think it fits better when you're not in that, when you're in a whole different genre, because then almost the pressure's off in that way. Yeah. Because you're not, tr- you're trying to sound the opposite. Right. Of no, you know what I mean? He's not right. trying to sound like Fat Mike. Yeah. No, I mean, and that's the thing is like Frank Turner is like found his voice. You know, yeah, that I mean? dude like already knows his. Yeah. For, for younger people, um, it's, it's important to kind of like, do it do it enough and do it long enough that you that you kind of like find that comfort zone and i think one of the things that like helps younger bands who are um either it's their first band or they're still kind of like strengthening those vocal cords like um like touring and oh, just yeah, doing yeah. it every single night and just kind of oh. like blowing out your vocal cords and like doing it over and over again and just working on that consistency. Um, it took me a long time to kind of like figure out like how to sing in a recording setting or like a studio setting. Like it's Oh, like, yeah, versus just live. Yeah, just live. Kind of, uh, it was just You like, actually got to oh, hit the notes yeah, in studio. Yeah. has and, to be somewhat accurate. And like your the the music has to be like loud enough in your headphones and then also like your your vocals in the mix need to be loud enough in your headphones and it has to like be as close as possible to like the way that you're hearing the song in a live setting you know what i mean so it's like it's kind of like difficult to to for younger younger musicians to kind of like find that voice of their own I, i think that like that's all you got to find it though, because that's like no effects. Like if you try, which I mean, you have your influences when you start out, but if you never go down that route of like, because really, like if Fat Mike or No Effects listen to people yeah. and like you should probably give up, this is awful. Yeah. But they kept going at it, and they keep yep. more, like sure it didn't sound great in the beginning, but you keep working on it, and you keep morphing it into something. 
Yeah. You have to get there because in the beginning you can get like, oh, I sound awful. Like you start getting weary yeah. and you might give up or you might try to just rip someone else off. Go. Yep. It's easier to try to emulate this guy. I mean, like listen to uh, the Flatliners. Listen to Chris Cresswell like on their first couple of albums versus oh, like yeah, the yeah. way that like his solo stuff now and like how he sounds now. Yeah, he's found his voice. He's got this like this like silky vibrato in his voice uh, and like um there was uh there was a, a Joey Cape song that I that like came up on my one of my playlists or whatever a couple days ago and Chris Cresswell's doing backup vocals in there. Oh no nice. and he's and it's just like just just super smooth, just kind of like doing these little backup harmonies and stuff like that. And and yeah, it's an example of somebody who like he had to went, do it. They had to, he had to yeah. do that a while. It's not like you just wake yeah. up sounding like that. Yep. Yep. So, but uh any anything else for this or shall we uh should we close that up? Let's close that chapter. Do you have uh any closing remarks on the record? Um anything we didn't get to? No. I mean, really it was it, I I kind of touched on everything about like things that I noticed. Um, within the past couple days of like listening to it and like really trying to pay attention to what's happening um, versus like when you listen to something that you had been listening to since you were a child yeah. it's almost like looking at an old photograph where like you're not it, you've you've experienced that and it's been in part of your life for so long that when you look at that photograph you're not actually looking at what is happening in the scene you're reliving the memories you i know see what what I mean? yeah after after 25 years yeah you got 25 years of memories attached to it yeah and so um when you try to like objectively stand back and and be like okay here's what's actually happening on this yeah. album and versus like what you think is happening or like what you had attached to it like don't don't think about like oh here's here's all the different things that you were doing in your yeah. life as you were listening to those here's what's here's what's happening in your ears right now um noticing that there's no really guitar solos, <laughs> no guitar in, there. solos in this whole thing um <laughs> Never noticed that until you brought it up. Yeah. All the credit goes to you. Never noticed that. Um, and and realizing that I, I always thought that there was a big gap between the the 90s no effects and the, and the 2000s no effects and um, feeling like like starting with the decline and moving forward, no effects was a different band than they were before. But really all of the elements that that led to them writing the decline writing pump pump up the volume you hear it all on this one i i i can hear, you hear where those, they're going you hear where they're yeah going. i can i can i can hear that direction that they're that they're taking um and these these kind of like some tangible some intangible ways you know and, i think that's why this is my favorite because you have like there's part of the magic of earlier no effects because they weren't experienced. There is that magic of you know what I mean. Like yeah. certain things are good because you don't know any better. Because right. you don't know. Like I think even Fat Micah said that, that they he never realized linoleum didn't have a chorus. I think I yeah. think he said that. 
It's things like that you don't think about. Yep. That's the, those are those little things that make earlier no effects magical. Yeah. But then there's also those elements of later, like pump up the volume, the decline, all that. They're also really good. This album has musicians who have done it for a while and kind of found their voice, but they're also still, you know what I mean? They're like yeah. old enough to know, but still young enough to kind of make some of those mistakes, yep. if that makes sense. And I, yeah. think, I think that is why I like this album the best, because it really is the best of both worlds. Yep. Of both those eras, one foot is in the punk and drublick, one foot's in pump up the volume kind of yep. thing. They're really, yep. and it's, I mean, it's 97. So you are, you're getting towards the end of the, the decade, yeah. but you're still a little off. So it's like, it is, which it is funny too, because I feel like a lot of people, even me, I think about it, like people do separate no effects from like 90s, 2000. Yeah. Because there are people who don't, who don't like them after a while or don't think they're as good after a while, which yeah. I think is crazy. I think they started, like, I'm kind of with you. I think they keep getting better yeah. around that like 2000, but still, this album's funny because when you do start dissecting it, it's not that crazy their jump. You do start yeah. seeing where they're gonna go next. Yep. Like it's all there. It's not this real left field, like the next album they sounded like Sonic Youth or something like yeah. that. Yeah. You know, they didn't do that to you. Like you could, if you look back, you go, Oh no, they're kind of showing you where they were gonna go. Uh-huh. You know, it, it's not it's not as like wild when you when you think of like where they go next. Yeah, yeah. They had it going on on this album and I mean it's definitely, in my opinion, like required listening if you're a no effects fan, yeah. if you're a like 90s skate punk fan, if you're a 90s ska fan. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, even if you're a ska fan, I would definitely say this album, you'll find things you like. Yeah. Whether or not you think they're kind of every now and then kind of smirking, yeah. you'll still, I think you'll appreciate it. Yeah. Because they're still so good at it. Even, even at times when they're kind of jokey they're still so good at it that it's like, oh, you'll still appreciate this. Yeah. And and it just goes on to not only influence their later music, but influence thousands of <laughs> other bands. Some who, good, some bad. Some good, some bad. <laughs> but to this day, like, it still is, like, you know, one of those, like, completely untouchable, like, perfect albums that, so many bands are are you know constantly trying to like look up to and live up to. Oh, tons of albums that probably would have been made or at least sounded the way they did without this album. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even from a production, because again, it sounds so good but without being overproduced. Like, I mean, I think there are a lot of bands who wanted to sound like this. Yes. You know, just even from a sonic standpoint of how they wanted their album to sound. You know. Absolutely. But uh, no, I love again my favorite No Effects record. The uh, whole thing is good. I mean, again, even the songs, I got to give them that. Even the songs that I don't love, I, I wouldn't say, like, they, you know what I mean? Like, I won't skip them. I don't, I don't hate them. It still is a great, like, I would still probably say it's a perfect album. I don't yeah. know that I would change. I don't know what I'd change. Yeah. More pick slides. I did notice that. Not enough pick slides on there for me. <laughs> I don't think, I don't, you talk about solos, I don't think there's a pick slide until, is it the instrumental song? It's track 14 or 15 is the first pick slide mm -hmm. that I hear on the album, unless I missed yeah. one. This yeah. album needs more pick slides. <laughs> that's, my, that's my one complaint. Go put those in and post. I'm going to go, dude, I'm going to go do one of those where, like, people, like, fix, like, albums they think sounded terrible and put, like, their mix on YouTube. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the Anthony it's version. Just, 
Yeah, it's three <laughs> seconds long, and it's just a video of you pick sliding to a non-effect oh, I, I, I add it in there. And then yeah. also, I'm so bad. Like, the pick slide is so loud and distorted. You can't, you can't <laughs> yeah. hear. It yeah. goes over it, but also I record it, and it just, it just like, it muffles the mic. Like, whatever yeah. I was using just sounds, like, overly distorted. You got to start a YouTube channel that's just called There I Fixed It. <laughs> All the things I think are wrong with albums. Yeah, but it's like horribly mixed horribly horrible sounding and the video's not even long enough <laughs> and then like you and then you like you you don't cut out the part at the end where you reach towards the camera <laughs> to like turn turn off the camera and there's so much distortion on my guitar like anytime i take my yeah. hand off off the off the neck it's just and then you and then you go there i fixed it and then you turn off the camera and it's like it's like a it's like a, a digital camera from like 2008 yeah it's like really grainy yeah like the video the video is like 180 it's just really like you can hardly tell it's a guy on a guitar <laughs> this is my i mean that's yeah. a million dollar idea dude yep. i might have to take i may have to do that well We've been at it a long time. If you're listening to the radio show, we'll play the last song now. If you're not listening to the radio show, go listen to this whole record now. But, uh, yeah, dude, great, great doing this. Uh, I don't know. You want to tell people, and then, and then we'll end it, uh, where they can find you. You want any of that good stuff? Yeah. Um, you can find my music, um, joeycobra.bandcamp.com. You can find my art at josephgrice.art. Check it out. All right, that is uh, it. I'll be back in a second after this song if you're listening to the radio show. And now we're done if you're listening to the podcast. But either way, thank you very much for listening to a very to this whole thing. It was really fun to uh, tonight's episode of the Power Chord Hour. And also happy 25th to this record. <laughs>